voice you hear is not my speaking voice, but my mind's voice. I have not spoken since I was six years old. No one knows why, not even me. My father says it is a dark talent, and the day I take it into my head, to stop breathing will be my last. Today he married me to a man I have not yet met. Soon my daughter and I shall join him in his country. My husband writes that my muteness does not bother him, and hark this. He says God loves dumb creatures, so why not I? T'were good he had God's patience, for silence affects everyone in the end. The strange thing is, I don't think myself silent. That is because of my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I shall miss it on the journey. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> I, this is what I was facing. In the last moment, I went, I got to pick one. I either try to do Holly Hunter's pitch or I try to do the New Zealand accent. Well, she's doing, it's a Scottish it's a, accent. Yeah, it's, it's not, not a New, New Zealand. Zealand accent. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So then in that case, I fucked up on both counts. You did. You did. I mean, not that you were going to nail the Scottish accent. Not that Holly Hunter really nailed the Scottish Well, we got to do a take accent. two. No, we're not doing a take two. Hold on. Let no, me that just... was good. That was good. That was actually good. And it was actually kind of voice compelling. Voice your hair is not my speaking <laughs> voice, but my mind's voice. Oh, it, Hagrid's here all I've of a sudden? I've not spoken since I was six years old. <laughs> um, no one knows why, not even me. Now I'm thinking about her having like a podcast on the beach and being like... <laughs> I have I'll, to keep on going back to my podcast studio. I'll trade you for... I don't know. What? My father says it is a dark talent. All right, enough, enough, enough. Okay, I take That's it into my head you... to stop breathing. Will be my last. Okay. Do you guys know about the King's Daughter? Today he married me to a man. No. Have King's that. Daughter is a film that's coming out this week, next week. Sorry. So my Wait, what? Him it's in a film that's country. coming out next week in cinemas in the United States. My Griffin, stop it! I swear to God, you this. can't do it twice. Listen to this, Griffin. It stars Pierce Brosnan. Mm. Uh, oh, yes, I know about this. Oh, you know about this. This is, and starring... Uh, Kaya Scolodero. Right. It's directed Barrio. by Sean McNamara, who's Correct. the director of the Bratz movie. Uh, and other children. Robo Sapien. Right. He's got part of Crystal Sky, which has that weird relationship to John Voight. This was shot... He's sort of like a right winger. I will tell you when it was shot. Well, the first, the film was developed in the 90s and was going to be shot in 2002 with Natalie Portman. James Seamus, friend of the show... The great. He's credited... As a writer. He wrote the script. Wow. Um, it finally was made in 2013, right? Okay. Starring all the people we just mentioned. Yeah. Production wrapped in 2014. Mm-hmm. It has not been released. Well, it's coming out. It will be out by the time this episode's released? Correct. It is coming out in 2022. A film that was finished eight years ago. This got added. About Louis the 16th and like sure. a mermaid or something? Or Louis the 14th. Sorry. This got thrown out on the blank check subreddit shout out to our slash blankies yeah uh because the poster looked like a fake movie poster oh, it does Kaya look like Scodelario a... and her husband benjamin walker this is the they set just oh had they, a baby. They, they met on the set I of this they've movie now maybe had two babies and this is the movie they, oh, met, they on. met on this movie that's the wild thing about this film I... this movie was so long ago that they that like this their, they their met, kids they... are in college or right. whatever <laughs> i want to read you the credit block too pierce brosnan of kaya Scoladario. Uh-huh. Benjamin Walker, Rachel Griffiths, Mm -hmm. narrated by Julie Andrews. Right. Featuring uh, Bing Bing Fan Uh and William Hurt. Narrated by, in the credit block, before your your end. Yeah, that's some slippery shit. Yeah. Yeah. There they are. Anyway. Yeah. Should we go see it? Yeah, absolutely. He says God loves dumb creatures, so why not? (laughs) That's not a Scottish. You're just doing Hagrid right now. I'm not. You are. You're doing. Is he doing Hagrid the more movie. than? Sure. Okay. It's right. a little bit of Hagrid, a little bit of fat bastard. Oh, good. 
Well, fat, fat, no, how do I, I used to be able to do fat bastard. I'm forget. I, I no longer hear fat bastards. He doesn't, voice ringing he doesn't in my come head. to you when you <laughs> yeah. sleep. Come on, what are you, I, a baby. <laughs> well, what else is fat baby. bastard in I'm my I don't know what he, America was just like, coming to the year. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, fat bastard, man, what a guy! Like the eighth joke I'm about fat bastard. I'm sorry that I mentioned that because I'm genuinely upset. We're talking about fat yeah, bastard no, on the podcast. About I, that. I just want yeah, the like eighth joke about him. Yeah. is that he is fat. Like there are so many other bits before yes. that. Like yeah. that was why it was so perplexing in right. that film. It was like, wait, the guy eats babies? He's Scottish? He has bagpipes? Like yeah. what? He, uh, anyway. he steals the mojo because he was like part of the guard to watch over Austin Powers' frozen body. But at the end of the movie, he pretends to be a UPS guy. He does. Yeah. He's got like a lot of. There's things. a whole like nut shot bit where he gets like yeah. kicked in the nuts, and he does. There's like, also a big yeah. poop bit. Well, yeah. Austin drinks his poop and says it's a little bit nutty. A little bit nutty. <laughs> he thinks it's coffee. Uh, Felicity Shagwell seduces him and sticks a... Sticks a, a homing device in. Right, yeah. right, up his up his butthole. And then, of course, in uh, Goldmember, he has an extended sumo He does martial sequence. arts or whatever, right, sumo. I yeah. maybe told this story before. It's like wire work, though. He's like, right, He there's like a crouching tiger spoof where he's like doing a kick and he's flying across the room sure. or the bit i yeah. remember very vividly is he says to his opponent uh, uh you know it's my favorite helen hunt movie twister and then he does a purple nurple sure um i think i've told this story before but my sister uh romley uh newman longtime uh a sibling of mine a past and future guest uh she was five when that movie came out this by who shagged me or gold member gold member and uh, I, I wanted to go see it. My dad was just like, well, we'll take Rom. And my mom was like, she's five. And he was like, there's nothing in that she hasn't heard before. And I was like, in the third Austin Powers movie, there's nothing of five like The first ten minutes has like ten things she's never heard before. So the last <laughs> bit of that movie pretty much is they go to the premiere of Austin Pussy. Right, right. Which is the movie the, the within movie the movie, within the, film, yeah, the, the framing Tom device. Cruise, Tom, end, Tom Cruise, right, is the book Austin end, Powers. Right. Right. At the end, you realize, oh, we're back in the fake movie in which now John Travolta is playing Gold Member, right? Right. And like celebratory vibes, premieres a resounding success. Everyone's applauding, and then a guy walks up to Austin and goes like, "Hey, Austin, Austin Powers." And he's like, "I'm sorry, I don't recognize you." And it's fat bastard, and he's lost all the weight. He's thin, yeah, right, yes. And he's yes, got all the sagging flesh. The, yeah, he's got any right. any credits. Jared Fogel. Yes, of course. Yes, right, yes. Right. Uh, not for just, the diet, just... for advising me on my personal life. <laughs> but, but he says, uh, Austin's like, "You look great," and he's like, "Well, yeah, but my neck looks like a vagina." And then he like like plays with the waddle under his right, neck. Right, right, right. Romilly would not stop saying that as a five year old. <laughs> And like my parents, like friends would come over for dinner, right. and she'd be like, "My neck looks like a vagina." <laughs> it was. She thought it was the funniest thing in yeah, the world. Well, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's nothing in it uh, that a five year old hadn't heard before. Right. Hello, everybody. This is Blank Check with Griffin and David. It's a podcast about Fat Bastard and the King's Daughter. King's Daughter, a movie that's sat in a shelf for eight years. Eight years. It's just a long time. It's that's long Margaret time. length. It is. <laughs> You think it's as good as Margaret? That, how great would that be? <laughs> it's if, like, two human children right. were born in the right. In how the, great in would the, that be? Years? If like everyone shit on it, and then two people were like, "This might be the great American movie." And it of the plays decade. at the Cinema Village for right. two months or right. whatever. It goes out of theaters, but then it comes back, and there's a Save King's Daughter campaign. Yeah. 
And then McNamara does a screening at Lincoln Center, and he's like at a Q&A, but he can't answer most questions because of an ongoing legal battle with the producers. McNamara currently, I believe, making the Reagan movie starring Dennis oh, Quaid, sure. part of the Quaid well, this is Or is a- it the Dennis I always forget which it is. I think it's the Dennis It's the Dennis yeah. yeah. The re-quadening. Um, Mac- McNamara's weird. That's a weird rabbit hole. I'm telling you, the Crystal Sky, the McNamara family... Uh, John Voight's participation in most of those movies. McNamara also directed the Baby Geniuses sequels, I want to say. Uh, yeah, he did uh, Baby Geniuses and the Mystery of the Crown Jewels, Baby Geniuses and the Treasures of Egypt, and Baby Geniuses and the Space Baby. Robosapi, he did Soul Surfer, the movie where, he yeah. He did Cats and Dogs 3, Paws Unite. Oh, he did, oh my God, he did adaptations of my beloved Bruce Koval alien books oh that were like straight to netflix and everyone said were horrible yeah yeah like aliens ate my homework like those are like some of my favorite books ever they're huge for me as a kid david those are some of my favorite books as well because you had a bad attitude and you were always saying aliens ate your homework probably right no i don't know yeah they rule those books those books are fucking the best remind me what is the series though i can't remember aliens ate my homework i left my sneakers in dimension x hell yeah the search for snout that's my favorite dimension. X. Go. Uh, well, that's the whole thing. Dimension X is super. And he left his sneakers there. He left right. them. And then what was the... For- Alien Stole My Body, I think, was the last one. Sure. Yeah. Sure. It's very like space opera. It's like serious. Like it's a. Did you ever read the Bruce Covell books? No. Fine. I read them. I don't remember them. Really <laughs> he also had the, the other yeah. series that was like My Teacher is an Alien. My Teacher flunked the planet. Remember I that? I was scared of aliens. Well, I, I, there was Bailey School Kids. Is that what it was called? Or Bailey School That was High? also Bruce Coville, right? Where, yeah. where every book was like, Dracula doesn't perform root canals. And the right, premise right. of the book would be like, there's a new dentist in town. He looks a lot like Dracula. And the kids start like collecting evidence of like, I saw him drinking something red. He sleeps in a box. Is that cool? And in the last like chapter, they find out like everything was a misunderstanding. <laughs> but every time it's like, troll bridges don't coach fucking okay. dodgeball. This was not, I know what you're talking about, but yeah. it was not Bruce Koval. I just want to clarify. It was someone else. But yeah, I just thought that werewolves, was vampires so don't wear polka dots. Werewolves right. don't go to summer camp. Right, There's like right, 80 right. of those books and they start getting so sweaty and they're just like, but, the, the Yeti doesn't do driver's right. tests. I know we're here to talk about her most important film, but I just want to say two things about Bruce Koval's alien books. One, Okay, Gracker, if you remember, one of the lead aliens. We all remember no. Gracker. Okay, fuck you. Uh, there's a moment fuck you. Early, there's a moment early on. <laughs> Christ David. There's a moment early on in the first one. That's crazy. Where they, where they go to like a swamp or like a marsh or something that's like in his backyard. Mm-hmm. And Gracker's like, oh, this reminds me of like my home. And Rod is like, oh, do you like come from a swamp planet? And yeah. he's like, what? No, I come from a planet. I lived in a swamp. Like, what do you like? You know, and, and Rod's like, right? Planets aren't you just talk like about just one, one terrain. It's my like most right crucial memory because it's yeah. like this pushback on the Lucasification right. like, of what? sci-fi. A, a swamp, a right. whole planet is yeah. a swamp. Seasonally, the entire planet is one climate, one season, all the time. Right, right. The other thing is that the villain in the Aliens books, BKR, is terror. He's like scary, and no one. And they're like, and Rod's like, why is he so bad? And they're like, because he. Like, does things just to make people unhappy. This is him actually right now <laughs> driving down the street. Like, he doesn't, he just, he's just unkind. Fucking badass on a crotch rocket. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I always thought about that. Like, he doesn't do it for money or whatever. He's just like, he's evil. a mean guy. He just kind of wants to watch right. the world burn. Exactly. 
Anyway, those books were full. How do so we get on? Oh, right. Twisted. Sean McNamara. Anyway. Yeah. 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 David, for once, you Sean can't McNamara complain about ruined like, my favorite books. Side tangent, because you've just been saying for the last 10 minutes, we gotta talk we're going to start starter. the episode talking about You didn't even want me to get the quote out once. Well, there's a reason. Because you want to talk about the fucking king's daughter. No, because I knew you were going to do Hagrid. I knew you were going to Hagrid yeah. it up. <laughs> the movies. The piano. This movie is called The Piano. This podcast is called Blank Check with Griffin and David. I'm Griffin. I'm David. I'm really struggling to do another tangent about Hagrid doing the movie sh- like this year at the Oscars. Let me get the fucking rest of the intro out. And do then it. I'm, I'm okay. obviously going to let you do the Okay, tangent. yeah. It's a podcast about filmography as directors who have massive success early on in their career and are given a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy passion products they want. Sometimes those checks clear and sometimes they bounce. Baby, this is a series on the films of Jane Campion. We finally got to the titular film of the miniseries. True. Uh, because the miniseries is called Podcastiano. That's right. And the movie Boo. we're talking about today is obviously Boo. called Boo, I don't like the, it. The Piano. You don't like it? What? The Podcastiano. The Podcastiano. What do you want it to be called? In the podcast? It's deranged. Huh? Power of the podcast? Yeah, that's, that's you think? better. Basic. What Sorry. if it's just Hagrid comes out this year on the Oscar stage? <laughs> just Hagrid. Okay, here's the He's like, the movie <laughs> I'd he just it. does the exact same monologue. I'd love. That's what they should do because uh, you know people complain we don't have movie stars anymore, right? It's sure. all IP. The star is the IP, right? And they're trying to figure out how to get young people back into the Oscars. Right. Tom Holland should host the Zendaya should host the Oscars. No. Characters, everyone should Hagrid. be a character. <laughs> should be That's like a- the Space Jam new legacy of yeah of. Oscar host. Right, IP. Tom Holland should not host the Oscars. Spider-Man maybe should host the Oscars. Oh my god, guys. I want to host the Oscars, but I'm too busy fighting the Scorpion. He swings around. Hagrid should present in memoriam. Julie Taymor can direct. It'll be her. It'll be her. I remember. (laughs) Um, You guys have heard that, right? What? The weird In My Life Beatles tribute album What's his name? The fifth Beatle. Who was the producer's name? George Martin? Yes. George Martin did an album that was like a Beatles tribute People album. Doing covers. Each track is uh-huh. a different kind of thing. Okay. And like John Williams does an orchestral version of like the Yellow Submarine suite. Like everyone has their like take. And Connery does uh, In My Life as a spoken word piece. And it's incredible. Uh, that he does sound, does does sound pretty good. He attempt to be rhythmic. I'm and he just goes see... like, In My Life. Oh yeah, here I it is. I loved them all. It was '98. Yeah, we've also got uh, Robin Williams doing "Come Together." Yes, it's wild. Goldie Hawn doing "A Hard Day's Night." Yeah, they're we- It's like you said. I'm sorry, you said musicians. This sounds like comedians <laughs> doing. People. Well, Celine Dion did here, there, and everywhere. Okay. It's well, very, that is a but really Jim Carrey did well, "I Am the Walrus." Right. Now we're going it's like back. really yeah. star fuckery. But the Connery uh, track is amazing because you have all these people who are just like, "Come on, you're not a singer. Don't even try to do this." And then Connery's like, "I'm not pretending. There are places I remember." <laughs> um, that's really and they play funny. like sweeping music behind him, but he's like yeah. not worried about even hitting the meter. Featuring Sean Connery on lead spoken word vocal. It's yes. incredible. It's an incredible track. Uh, yeah, in my life. Uh, but it's like if people are fans, and I I can't imagine why, but if anyone who listens to this podcast is a fan of um a monologue Sean Connery did called "Dumb Movies," mm-hmm. I think you might like uh, Sean Connery doing in my, in life. my life. Um, our guest today, of course, is one of our favorite people. <laughs> Yes, hi. One of our dearest friends, returning to the show uh, from Thrillist. Uh, your new book. That's right. Hey. Woo. 
When's I'm, it I'm going to get the out? title wrong. So it's called Beyond the Best Dress. It's it's about the history of Oscar fashion. Yes. Right. It's a cultural history of Oscar fashion, and it is out February first. So it is out in two days. Two motherfucking days. Oh my god! It it's is out, out on Tuesday. Days. I mean, this episode's dropping on Sunday, yeah. so it's out on Tuesday. Buy it this week. Buy it. Look, there's obviously a lot to talk about in the piano, but I think I think we should just get out of the way. Anna Paquin, low key, one of the best Oscar looks of all time. A hundred percent. I write about. I write name? about in the book. Have I what? Have you said her our guest's name? Esther Zuckerman. Thank you. Oh, you didn't I say my name. I wasn't sure if you. Had. Easy rights. <laughs> Esther Zuckerman's here. No, I might have. I might have not said the it. best dress. And yes, and you have a. a, a you have I have something a on section Anna on right. three kids. I have a section where I talk about Tatum, Tatum O'Neill, uh-huh. sure. Anna Paquin, and Quivenjane Wallace. Interesting. Okay, so Tatum wears the little suit. Tatum wears a little tux. I can't even remember what Quivenjane wears. Um, Quivenjane, it's not really about the dress. It's about the puppy purse. Right. Oh, yeah. I right. remember that. She brings Aww. a puppy purse to every Look single... Look her. Yeah. Right, right, right. She she wears a dress, actually, that looks like something out of the piano. Yeah. It's like a very traditional dress. Um, she sat dress. next to Bradley Cooper at the, like, uh, the, you know, the big photo shoot they do. Yeah, yeah. the yeah. annual, the Oscars lunch. And then, I, and then Anna Paquin. And actually, it was really hard to find, like, Paquin was the hardest to find. She was like a very, very sheltered kid. Mm. Her parents were extremely protective. Mm-hmm. She's this kid from New Zealand. Right. Like, I found like one interview with her um, and her family. I think it was an LA Times. Like, like, at the time, I think any time. interview she gave, like one of her they parents, were, they was were there. very, right. they were very, very like smart, honestly, I, well, and, and protective. Look, and to like, their credit, what child star has turned out better than her? Right. And yeah, they, no one's. She's turned out as well as anybody. No one's yeah. turned out better than she has in terms of not being broken by winning a fucking Oscar when you're 11. And she's actually said, which I write about in the book, like she has said like, she's like, you know, obviously I'm proud of the Oscar, but like I don't consider it one of my greatest achievements because I didn't know fucking know what I was doing. This is what I'm saying. Like, she was that, like, that's a good fucking I mean, perspective. I, I don't know if she it said is a good like, perspective, but she right. was like, Honestly, like it's a huge credit to Holly. Like it's a huge credit to Jane that I won sure. the Oscar. Like it is. I'm obviously proud of it, but it's not one of my life's greatest achievements because I was, you know, well, she tiny. was a little kid. Yeah, right? I was like she a little was kid. Eleven and it was when like, she won, I believe. Um, yes. and yeah, her family kept her in New Zealand. Yeah, they. She doesn't make Fly Away Home till three years later. Yeah, so they, like it's not like she immediately went to make right. more stuff. No, right. And kept... Amadeus is the same year. No, Amadeus. I'm sorry, Jane Amistad. I'm going to start as the year after. Okay. Right. Which, I mean, obviously, tiny role. Right. Um, yes, sure, sure. And I think there's a quote in the piece that's in my book where they called it, they, like, had no idea this movie was going to be as huge as it was. They no, called it, not. like, they called it Jurassic Piano because, like, it was as, you know, because it's the same year as Jurassic Park, obviously, which we will talk about. Reference like, to this in a previous episode, but, like, some fucking Reddit post I read about Criterion finally moving into 4Ks, right? Mm-hmm. Releasing uh, physical 4K discs. Mm-hmm. And Piano was part of, They're like, doing a, the piano, yep. this very early wave it. of, like, yeah. It, we're recording it, like, this episode, like, one week before know, the thing comes annoying. out. And it was this thing where, like, we couldn't time it out. But I'm just like, I wish I could have waited a fucking But I'm going to go watch it again. Sure, of course. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, like, big deal. Criterion's finally coming into this. And Citizen Kane and Menace to Society, a piano, like, this first wave. And someone I saw said, like, it's great the Criterion is getting into 4K because they're willing to release a lot of the more obscure movies that studios wouldn't release. Like, something like the piano would never get released otherwise. And I'm like... I don't think you understand how big the piano was. Piano was a big deal. Yeah. It was like such a colossal fucking art house crossover movie in this era where like uh, 
fucking English patient is the cresting of that, right? Of like the total Miramax domination of like European sort of like literary. Actually functioning as a blockbuster that makes like $200 million worldwide. Right. Yes. But this was like a surprise crossover success that was like very much at the nexus of the cultural well, also, conversation. Like, yes, absolutely. It was a movie you had to see. Wins three were, giant Oscars uh, you know, in a year that's humongous. Up. In a year against Schindler's List. The year where fucking Tom Hanks wins for Philadelphia. Like, this yep. is such a big-ass Oscar year. I guess let's just start with the Oscars. We're just talking Oscars we right have now. To. The thing about the Packers book. I was, well, it's her speech, too. Well, yeah. her speech is, is crazy well, because... Well, not her speech because she can't breathe. She's like... <laughs> right. I remember when yeah. she... So this is the first Oscars that I remember. I believe I watched a couple of the earlier when I was so little. But this is the first one I remember, and it's partly because of her. You right. were probably too little. I was too little. The first one I watched was English Patient. Yeah. What year I is it? Huh? Well, it would be. Ni- it's it's ninety four. Yeah, I was three still. Um, it, you know, early ninety four would be the For ceremony. Ninety three movie. And Got I it. remember when she won. She was a kid, and I was like, a kid won. And like, then there was that weird moment where she gets up there and she's not talking. She yeah. can't breathe. She like literally right. like, cannot <laughs> catch her breath. She, you know. And my mom is like, oh my god, like is this kid about to melt down? Like I remember my mom being like, Jesus, like. Well, and then she like composes herself and she's like, I'd like to thank the Academy and I'd like to thank Jane and Holly, you know, like that just walks. It was very, a very brief speech. It's odd to watch because a she doesn't have the accent anymore, right? She, no. Oh, you mean like now? Now, no, right. she, right. now she has this. Lost- she, she actually really, lost. Yeah, she doesn't right. really have her. She like actually accent. lost the accent, and by the time that she's like starting to act more regularly, she had that American. By the late nineties and two thousand, she's got American the American accent. accent, right? So when you watch her in this movie, you're like, okay, sure. When you watch her give the speech, you're like, right, she's like from New Zealand, so that takes you out. One, right? Mm-hmm. Two, it's like she's so young, she's so small. You're just like the perspective of her against the Oscar statue. You really realize how tiny she is. Do you know who gave her the Oscar? Well, is it who won the previous year? Correct. Okay, so it would have been supporting actor in the '93 I ceremony just for '92 all three movies. Of the pianos wins. Sure. So I, I also want to say Pacino with wonderful long hair gives sure. Holly Hunter hers. Yeah. He's fucking looking great. Gene Holly Hack- Hunter. Gene Hackman, who wow. had just won for Unforgiven. Yeah. And he gets his prison. He's like these five. You know, four great actors are about to give a great performance, pretending they're like happy yeah, they didn't win. Yeah, it was a little win. joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like the thing with the Paquin win is, I think people in retrospect are like, well, it must have been an, a weak category or something. And it wasn't. It was a all. weird category, though. It was a little weird. But I don't. I she was a surprise. She was a genuine surprise winner. Yeah. Can I can I just throw my final thought about her speech and then talk about this category because it is interesting. Uh, What's odd is she's so tiny. She's speaking in the New Zealand accent. She has her little right? beret. She's got a cute and her little, little hat. And her little vest. You she's all... like, she's dressed like a genuine child. The hat's the thing that always really sticks out. Yeah. To me. Yeah. It's a sparkly beret. But but then like, she's both dressed like a genuine child, but also sort of dressed like an old lady. Yes. Whereas I feel like now, so often, child stars are forced to dress like 25-year-old women. Right. Yeah. You know? Not the examples. I mean, it definitely feels like... Her look does feel like sort of like it feels like woodland creature. Yes. It does feel like it's from sort of. She looks like she's out of Willow. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And then, as you said, she comes in and you're just like, is this girl going to faint? Like her like right. eyes are just, like, there's open the so brief wide. moment. And I'm breathe. watching live TV and I'm going to watch something right. messed up. And she both basically. seems to be in like such shock and yet is still more composed than most people accepting an Oscar. Like, that's the other odd thing is yeah, you're like... Yeah, because she, like, collects herself. Right, and like, she's still, like, catching her breath, but but she's, like, so coherent what she's saying. 
And you just see, there's also the cuts to like Holly and Holly's Jane. so just happy. Like, so happy for her. Which is and always like, what makes me cry at the Oscars is, is when you can yeah. see, like, because yeah. the Olivia Coleman win. What's so, I mean, obviously Coleman's speech is incredible, but, but, but Stone Emma Stone advice. being Lady so Gaga. happy and Yorgos and, right, Lady Gaga. Um, that's why I watch it all the time. That, Lady that Gaga. Win. I love when she goes, and then Gaga blows her cat. Isn't it funny that, like, Olivia Coleman in the speech makes a joke about, like, well, this is never going to happen again. It's right. like, now it's you become yeah. Emma Thompson? She could win. She you, could win you this You become year. Judy Dench? You're, like, the person who gets nominated every single year? So tell me who won the Globe. And whose Oscar this was, you know, considered Winona. to be. Winona Which is Ryder funny because that was also sense. like, oh, she's very young, but she's like. This is it. It's a child actor. She's 22. She's finally ready. And then next year she gets her second nomination for Little Women. And then her Oscar run is over. But I think at this point, Winona was seen as like, well, she's obviously it's inevitable. It's Kate Hudson. It's like, right. here she is. Right. She's in this movie. She has, you know, and it's like, it's a good role. Obviously, yeah. Age of Innocence, that, that character movie. is like yeah. quiet and then has the kind of moment at the end and you're like, Oscar. But SAG doesn't exist at this point. No. She wins the Globe. She, she wins National Board Review. Sure. And does she, she maybe wins either New York or LA. She was viewed as the winner. What is odd about this category, yeah. you have Holly Hunter and Emma Thompson in both supporting and lead. Correct. Holly and Hunter. Emma Thompson had one lead only the year before. Right. Emma Thompson was nominated for Remains of the Day and In the Name of the Father. Yeah. Holly Hunter for Piano and Firm. It had only happened six times previous to it this year, and it happened twice in one year. Um, so that is true. Then you got Winona, and then you have Rosie Perez and Fearless, which is like the best performance of the Such group. an incredible performance. Yeah. And probably was never going to win, but, you know kind of a whiff that they didn't but like sure. the thing is Paquin is so good at Agreed. the piano right. but this is the weird thing it's not a weak category but you're like well Holly Hunter's not going to win because she's going to win for the piano sure. Emma, Emma Thompson's not going to win because she won last although year although she gets a huge cheer and she's actually incredible in In the Name of the Father she's always incredible sure um she, you know how like when you watch those Oscars, yes. you like you always note like who got the big cheer? Strathern and Good Night and Good Luck is right. one I always remember because it's like <laughs> fuck man, actors love that exactly. Guy so it's much. one of those things I guess. Where anyway, she gets the biggest cheer. Yeah, um, and she wins Best Screenplay two years later. Like she, this is the run where she's just unstoppable. But so they kind of cancel each other out and themselves out, right? Mm -hmm. Winona's the presumed front runner, and yeah. Rosie Perez, despite maybe being the best performance in the group, is kind of like she's not going to win. It's cool the that she made it. The nom is the reward. The nom's the, the movie's reward. not as big. Yeah. So it does come down to two juveniles. She had won Lafka. Rosie Perez. Yeah. Um, and New York had gone to. I'm going to look it up. Holly Hunter on the other Gong hand. Gong Lee and Farewell My Concubine. Fuck. Fucking great win from New wow. York. Wow. wow. Um, Holly Hunter, on the other hand, is just like a steamroll. Uh, yes, even though Holly Hunter, can you tell me who she was up against? Because it is an incredible lineup. Well, Emma Thompson. I, yeah, I have it up, so I can Emma can't, Thompson yeah. remain in the day. Remains right. of the day. Angela Bassett and What's Love Got to Do With It, which is sort of like an all time performance. Yeah. Deborah Winger in Shadowlands, whatever. Doesn't exist, snooze. right? Movie on a shelf for. And, but then Stock that was a movie on a shelf for almost as long as The King's Daughter. Yeah. yeah. And then Stockard Channing in Six Degrees of Separation, yeah. which is kind of like her best work. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And like a performance so good that they were like, yeah, we got to. Yeah. That's her only nom. Yeah. Wild. But yeah, no, Hunter. Yeah. Right, steamrolled for a mute performance. I know. Well, she's got narration at the beginning and the end. Yeah. But it's a mute performance. Uh, it's, it, I mean, it. it is fascinating to watch her in this because you're just like, it's so bizarre that this is her. Yes. I was going right? to say that. Like, it is 
so counter to what you think of as like a Holly Hunter role. Both who, how she had established herself prior to this movie and how who she's been for the 30 years since this yeah, movie. And when you see her at the Oscars and it's like, oh yeah, she's like, oh my God. You know, and you're like, she's right, so it's Holly Hunter. And yeah, like, exactly. God, the queen of Texas, Holly yeah. Hunter. And... And it is, you know, it is funny. You were talking about the accent at the beginning. And like, yeah, her accent at the beginning and the end is like a teensy bit shaky. I thought she was going for New Zealand. I really did. The accents are weird. Anna Paquin is also doing a Scottish accent and it is also weird. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Anna Paquin doing the accent is crazy because she was just a kid from New Zealand who learned the accent to do it, which like is insane. Like that's insane. But. Yeah, at the beginning and the end, I mean, I think it also sort of works because the voice is supposed to be so thin and undeveloped that, and it's the mind's voice, there's a, you know, there's, what voice are we really hearing in this? However, it's like, it's so counter to a voice that you expect to come out of Holly Hunter. She has one of the most distinctive voices. Yeah. Period of any living actor. And I cannot think of another movie where she has transformed it that much. And it helps, obviously, that she only speaks for a grand total of less than four minutes of this film. You never visually see her speak. But, like, it is one of those things where you're like, I'm not going to be able to accept her doing a different voice. I think if you had to hear that voice coming out of her while her lips moved on screen, you would reject it. Yeah. It's, It's bizarre. Like, you almost couldn't get away with having her play a different nationality in a wildly different time period unless she was mute. Right. Because otherwise there's something very modern, very Texas about her. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And her run before this is like, I guess she's like Barbara Stanwyck. I guess she's like, you know, like you. the films she's doing before this are, uh, she does the two Coen Brothers movies. She does Broadcast News, obviously. She does Swing Shift. She does Miss Firecracker. Like, this is like a big left turn from who she was developing herself to be as a movie star. And her stillness, yeah. too. There's totally. something so, it's like, it is very hard to define. Like, there's something so still about her. She's like hyperverbal, spark plug, yeah. all-American can't stop moving and she it's it's so and it's the way her hair like the way her hair is styled and Mm -hmm. the way her face her eyes emote but you also can't really tell how she's feeling for a lot of the movie until you can like can I make an observation that's going to sound more basic than it is and hopefully I can explain yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, I think I said a bunch of dumb stuff. No, so. no, no. Everything you've said is smart. Um, that's the trick of this podcast is I make every guest uh, sound smarter by saying stupid I things. I was giving a thumbs up for smart. Oh, okay, cool. I thought it was like a it was like an audio. A mic thing. No, I was giving you thumbs up for a great job. Ben started a new <laughs> system where he writes out a report cards for our guests, so he'll give you that on the way out. Um Oh, I do have a, a blank check order of business to address, but go on. Oh, okay. Uh, I I kept on thinking during this movie, uh, this really feels like a silent film performance. And the dumb, basic-ass interpretation of what I just said is, well, yeah, you idiot, because she doesn't talk. But I was like, no, I just think the manner of acting, especially the weird stillness of it. Yeah. I think when people do impressions of like silent films or parodies of silent films, it's they like a- do crazy overacting and facial yeah. acting. But a lot of it is that sort of Kuleshev effect thing where it is like this weird stillness that you're able to project motions onto, uh, emotions onto, you know? Yeah. And just like the intensity of the eyes and the looks and people just being able to like really hold close ups. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
it it is it is odd. It, it's it's an odd performance. It's a very odd performance coming out of her. Yeah. Blank check order of business. Yeah. Yes. Please go ahead. Oh, um, so if we count the two "I'll Do Anything" episodes, okay. this is my five times. It counts. Okay. I mean, I think it counts. They're both main okay. feed, right? It counts. I They're mean, both I, main feed. Right. That was my. It, that was my. Yes. That was my blank check order of business. We count like, right because we released both. I'll do anything's in the same week, but they were both main feed drops, and we right? recorded them at different times. We did. Yeah, they were two, I, did, I they came were into that studio twice. Two distinct full length yeah. episodes. So you did Aloha. I'll do anything. I'll do anything. I'll do anything again. Yeah. And then what was your fourth? Little Mermaid. This was the thing. Little Mermaid. Esther had demanded, can I please come on to talk about a movie that isn't a disaster? That isn't And now I've gotten two in a row. Boom. You've gotten two like fucking heavy hitter 90s two, masterpieces. Like, yeah, I've gotten two uh, guarantors maybe. Yeah, like two like seismic movies. Yeah. 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 Things that like actually so like, change culture. I can hey, do a welcome. shitty one next. Yeah. yeah next time one. we're going to give you some real <laughs> dog shit. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's just funny because even then, like after this, mm-hmm. Hunter's uh, follow up. Well, okay, I forgot. After broadcast news, she does always too, which is like Spielberg trying to be like she's our new great comedic sort of yeah. romantic comedy lady, right? Like the the well, high no, class, so like, but she's like Catherine Hepburn. She's tough, right? She's got short hair. She plays with the boys. That's why I said Stanley. Much though. like, it's like much they're like, like she's like a forty style movie uh, siren, right? Right. right. And then after this, her follow-up films are. You, you have the computer. In front oh, okay, of you. sure. Yeah. I, I thought you were about to. Uh, she after I was the piano. At it last night, I well, so yep. the, the firm is the same year, right? Her next movie is in '95. She has Copycat and Home for the Holidays. Right, Home for the Holidays. She's Holidays. great in great movie. That is very much her doing what she was doing pre-piano. It's in the mode. Have you seen Home for the Holidays? I have never seen Home for the it's Holidays. It's really. Worth I was thinking about watching it this year. I watched it last quarantine isolation Thanksgiving. Yeah. Thanksgiving nice classic. Watch. Yeah. Directed by Jodie Foster, of course. One of Robert Downey Jr.'s best performances. I've never seen Copycat, which is weird because I love a 90s crime movie. Yeah, who's in that with her? Sigourney Weaver. Right. And Dermot Mulroney. Right. Uh, and I think Harry Connick Jr. Mm. is in it. Um, I've always wanted to see it, but that really... Scooby-Dooby. I think it's... Wait, so I think it's that Sigourney is maybe like agoraphobic and is helping Holly solve a crime of Copycat It's like the original Woman in the Window. But it might be the other. I can't remember okay, who is. Sure. And then, okay, and then in '96 she does <laughs> Crash, right? Which is like her being like, "Fuck you!" I don't you give know? a fuck. Uh, which she's great in, sure, uh, and is so hot in, and has such good hair, and like you know, very iconic Holly Hunter look. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's a lot of fucking around. It's like a life less ordinary, living out loud, woman wanted. I don't even know what that is. Uh, a movie that Kiefer Sutherland directed. Okay. Yeah, the next movie I really Jesus' is son, in is Time Code. Oh, brother, which is a tiny. Oh, role. brother, she has a small part and she's very funny. And yeah, it, but that's like a big deal where they're like, she's back with the Coens. Like she gets the and in that. She, right, but it's you know, but she's but, mostly just scolding him. Like, yeah, right. Uh, she's whole, very. Funny. I mean, she's funny, but it's like uh, Moonlight Mile, which is like a big role, I guess. But she no, no sorry, a big movie, but she's not a big role. Uh huh. Uh, 13 and then 13 was like the comeback sort of as a comeback right she is really good in that movie that movie is terrible like in my opinion but like uh-huh. she's so good that she got I the Oscar nom I only have like a sense of 13 like 13 is like euphoria I, made by someone who right. got hit well, so it was, <laughs> like it's even dumber well but it was like I was obsessed with 
because I guess what year was that? Uh, 2003. Three. No, so I was literally 13 when wow. that movie. And you were behaving brag. that way. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, that was exactly my life. But I was obsessed with the trailer for it mm. because it was like this. It like it's sort of the way you were saying like Sweet Euphoria. It was like this thing that felt like super forbidden for me. Like this sort of like t- these are kids are my age and, and their kid wrote it. This shit's real. Yeah, and I was also sort of like jealous of Nikki and Bree. Oh, oh, are you kidding? Because you were well, like because she like made a movie. Yeah, because she got to make the movie and she got to write the movie. But I'm like, uh, do you have to like? be a bad kid to like get somebody to let you like write a movie. I'm good and no one's giving me an independent yeah. spirit nomination. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm I remember there was school, the brief like, thought that like that would get a screenplay nom. I right? had remembered that it had it gotten didn't. a screenplay nomination. I feel like we yeah. had this discussion. We've had we this did. conversation. This came up on uh, all right, okay, okay. episode. And then after that obviously like she's in The Incredibles. You know iconic right I, and arguably one of those examples of like a voiceover role that kind of revives a live action career to a little bit and of course elastigirl it's has such, a fabulous ass well fabulous ass but it's also it's, it's such a, just a good fucking holly hunter role double dump truck what it's such a good quintessential <laughs> she's holly incredible hunter role that I, mean, I think people are like right let's get more holly hunter out there well, except, but we don't get more Holly Hunter out there. Because, like, like, I'm with you, except it doesn't happen. What happens after? I don't know. Like, she did that show Saving Grace, yeah. which she got, like, right. an Emmy nom or two. Weird. Where yeah. she was, like, top of the, and you know, obviously, tough, top of the obviously lake. she's in Top of the Lake, which we're going right. to talk Big about, which sick. is incredible. And, like, playing Jane Campion, sort of, or yeah. whatever. Like, um, and, like, right. She's she'll, on Mr. Mayor right now. Right. Is she that is, the one with Ted Danson? Mr. Mayor yeah. has Ted Danson, Bobby Moynihan, no Holly Hunter. No one's talking about that thing, right? No, it's I on watched NBC. a couple of um, It's one of those things where I'm and like, she's like, she like, guys, he's on a scooter. This is all we could think of. She the, plays the like she plays like I'm on a scooter. She plays like earthy hippie that like work like he right. you know he's sort of like celebrity mayor, and she's like you know activist hippie that comes in like who is him. this for? Well, I don't know. Do you guys know it the, was supposed to be an yeah. Alec. Ba- it was supposed to be. It was like it was supposed a to be Jack Donaghy. Oh. It was supposed to be a Thirty Rock spinoff where Jack Donaghy runs. But for it was mayor. also when Got like it. Alec Baldwin was like, "I'm gonna run for mayor of New York." It was Remember riffing that? on it was, that. It was gonna it was be that. on that. Of course, she did Succession. As, she yeah, had she a, a good little arc in Succession. Incredible on Succession. But like, this is the thing. It's like probably fucked she, Logan you know, on Succession. Like, she she drank the peach tea. She did drink the peach in Batman versus Superman, but she has never, you know, returned to leading. Now, obviously, Hollywood is not nice about you know women in their. Look, I think her standing is as strong as anyone of her age bracket. Getting the snubbed for Big Sick was flat out rude. Oh, I mean, that was a wild snub. That. She got every precursor, yes. I think, or at least yeah. most of them. Yeah. She got snubbed for Octavia Spencer in The Shape of Water, who's giving a perfectly nice performance that like mm-hmm. she's given and been nominated for before. Like, yeah. it's a, it was such a weird snub. It was very bizarre. I mean, I I gave her my win at the Blankies episode that year. Uh, and sometimes I go back and I watch movies that like we were all about in the Blankies, and I'm like, what was I on about for this? You know, you get caught right, up right. in like Oscar season. When my mom had COVID, was in the hospital, I watched that movie again. Jesus Christ, why would you do that? Because A, hospital movie, B, my mom reminds me of Holly Hunter. I got really I know, but why would you exactly torture like yourself? You know what? I'm way. sorry. It was after she'd gone out of the hospital. Okay. <laughs> that was and I was, I was fucking trying to sort of like cathartically work through it. I was sort of like compelled to rewatch it. I'm just like, that performance is fucking unbelievable. Yeah. It's so She's good. So I mean, good. and Ray. Uh, Ray's amazing. Ray's amazing. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a weird year. But but she 
the thing I was kind of taken by looking at her Wikipedia last night is she has not made that many movies, period. She does, I guess And it's she not just... even like women of a certain age thing. Even at her peak, she wasn't working as much as her contemporaries. She yeah, seems like she was a little more selective. Except she's done like so many movies that you're like, I've never heard of this. So I guess she just does what she wants to oh, do. Oh, shit. Yeah. She was in that... Sorry, I was like, what was that TV show? And it was the 2018 Alan Ball series, Here and Now. She yeah. was Do you remember what? that? Yeah, 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 she was on every episode. Yeah. With Tim Robbins, oh, right? Oh, that yeah. fucking thing. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Anyway, look. Okay. Weird career. She's a legend forever. She's a Hall of Famer. She's, yeah. you know, Sandy Koufax. It doesn't and, matter. And, like, but, she's, but the point is, yeah. a large part of that legendary status is this performance, and this performance is such an outlier in her career. It's the one thing where you're like, I can't believe that's the same person. It is. And obviously, as I'm sure you guys know, she was not remotely the first choice. She was like sixth choice. And she was not, like, Campion was like, I had imagined. Can you go through the list of the Sigourney? other choices? Sigourney and Jennifer Jason Lee are sort yeah. of right. the big one, which is, like, in 1993, yeah, very plausible. Sense. And then Isabelle Huppert. Huppert was someone who tried for the role and later was like, I really wish I had, like, like you know, campaign. She like, did, like, camera tests with Campion. And at the time, when it seemed like maybe Campion was leaning towards her, Hunter started campaigning really hard. And right. she was like, I didn't fight for it enough. She, she's re- expressed my regret. biggest career regret. It's so interesting because I also don't think, like, because Hubert is right for it. Like, it's, it's hard to imagine her as, like, a shrinking violet or yeah. whatever. But, she's like, too but strong. She, but she's such a good but actress. So is, she wouldn't I mean, be good. So Who knows? Hunter. Like, you don't imagine her as a shrinking violet. But there's something also about, like... Holly Hunter's size that I think works. Yeah, there's a vulnerability that, to her. That, that, well, I mean, but this is the thing. Campion said, I did not imagine the character so small. She's supposed to be like six feet tall. That's why I went after Sigourney. I wanted her to be this tall, thin right. creature. Yeah. And Kidman's so, another person you can imagine it being, and obviously uh, the next Angelica Houston, Juliette Binoche, Madeline Stowe are some of the others. Houston would have been uh, demented. <laughs> <laughs> she might have fun. The other ones kind of make sense. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's a list of names of like, that you're like, yes, these were very serious, beautiful actresses, like, you know, who had a lot of screen early presence 90s, in the early yeah. 90s. Right. Sigourney it, is the one that makes total sense. Yes. Like, yeah. And you can see her even being good and you can see her winning an Oscar. You know, like you could certainly see that. Movie. And we talked about this before, but Sigourney is at that moment in the zone where they're like, this is the most undeniable she's going to win an Oscar in the next five years person. And then she never gets nominated ever again. Um, A hundred percent. And uh, but and, and right. And Holly obviously is very petite. Uh, we've 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 seen Pocket the big size. six. She's she's like five two. I call I her Holly Pocket. Yeah, Holly Pocket. Right. She's. I call her Holly Pocket. You know. Um. And uh, whatever she wins, I, I can probably find a quote. We've obviously talked about this a lot before, but uh, particularly in the late nineties, early two thousands, my mother used to get constantly mistaken for she Holly looks Hunter. Like Holly. My mother looks like Holly Hunter, but I think a huge part of that was just my mother is like tiny. Yeah. The Holly Hunter is so known for being tiny. And so fragile here's that I think my mother also looks like a porcelain doll. Here's the Campion quote. I like Holly Hunter very much as an actor. I didn't immediately think of her, probably because like everyone else, I had a stereotypical idea of the romantic heroine, tall, with exquisite manners. Mm. And I thought it would be, then I thought it would be more intense to go against the stereotype. Right, because it's not just that Holly Hunter's little, yeah. but she is a firecracker. Like yes. that's her classic, yes. you know, energy on screen. But it is... When you think about Holly Hunter, even crazier to imagine her being like, yeah, me. 
you know, I'll show you right. my reel. Right. Raising Arizona, broadcast news. <laughs> You're not getting mute, like, Scottish widow out of this or whatever, you know. I mean, it's funny that this movie has. Not a widow, actually. Not a widow. Mute, Scottish, whatever. Woman wife. with a child. W- woman with, yeah. This movie has two performances like that where I'm like, you cast actors who fundamentally I only think of existing in the present day in very specific regions where I'm like, I, I somewhat mentally reject any time Harvey Keitel is playing character who did not grow up in Brooklyn. Right. What about... What if he grew up in Queens? A, like, Last Temptation of Christ, yeah, I'm like... Yeah, that's what I was going to say. What about The Last Temptation that, of Christ? That performance is... I mean, I think it's I mean, a good performance, like, but it's an yeah, insane like, it's performance like, as well. And, look, and he's got red hair, which is so weird. I think he's good in this, too. But I will say, unlike like, Hunter, where I fully Jesus. buy it, know, every not. time Keitel's on screen <laughs> in this, like I'm like... You're from fucking Brooklyn. I, the reason Kaitel works in this movie, obviously, is Bare, he's not. I think he barely works. I think he works for oh, me. I think he's incredible. I think it's a good performance. Well, it's because he's willing to show hog, but that's fine. Snub nose pistol. Absolutely, <laughs> that's one thing. But two is like he's playing someone who is pretending or is like yes. you know yeah. m- you know is not of the land and is sort of like just sort of well, trying to be. Well, it's the fucking power of the dog casting. It's this. Th- she's yeah. so smart about casting. You're talking about, of course, Benedict Cumberbatch. I assume. Yeah. No, let's talk about Kirsten Dunst. Uh, but yeah, no, exactly right. Cast someone who seems a little like they're putting it on. Like, You're creating yeah. tension whole, by, yeah. by casting someone who seems a little miscast rather than, right. He's got a bit of a sailor face. He too. does. He's, yeah. And a sailor bot. Like he's sort of a little barrel chested and yeah. short. Yeah. He does seem like someone who could like rough it. You know, sure. or be like, I'm just gonna go live in fucking the ends of the earth. Like, and, I, I'm yeah. not. I'm not gonna out by name, but there's a, a person I know who worked with Kaitel, who watching his process on set was like, I don't know if he can actually act. I think 75 percent of it is just that he's got a good face. He does have a good face. He's also got like a Seth Rogen level laugh, where like only he laughs like that, and every time <laughs> he does it, yeah, you're like, holy shit, it's him again, right? And there's like, that weirdness of like how, <laughs> how surprisingly jacked he is all the time into his like 60s. He's such a good actor, but it's true. It's not like, like I, he's more buff in the piano than Michael Keaton is as Batman. It's hard to imagine Kaitel like doing Lear, right? Like it's, he's not like that kind of actor where you're like, I would love to to unleash him on no. fucking the glass menagerie. You, just you know, like some see sort him of on sc- you want to see him exist. This is of. why it's not a backhanded thing about the face, but you're like, it is true where it's just like, he is so fascinating looking and there's such an intensity in his face and the way he looks at people that it is just well, like there's power. that's what makes them such a good match too yes. in this film. Well, I mean, can, yeah, no, sorry. I'm just thinking about Kaitel. Say, I say might it. love Harvey Kaitel. Were you going to say you, a Kaitel? If you thing? love him so much, then what are you Fuck. I don't know. Is he married? Well, he was with Lorraine Brock. He's married. No, he's I married. Mean, he's married to uh, some nice lady. Ben no? has no Kaitel take. I, I, I was not going to say something. The year after this is Pulp Fiction, which is one of, like, his performance in Pulp Fiction is maybe the best, like, you know, performance Just walk in, a movie. in and steal the right. movie. It's perfect casting. Yeah. Right. right. And, but, like, is it? This is what I'm saying. Like, you don't think with Kaitel, like, this is one cool customer. Smooth operator. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like when he comes in, you're like, oh, Kaitel, I'm scared of him. Usually, yeah. Right? Like, he usually, he's playing a heavy. He's playing yeah. a, right? And then he comes into that, and he's really, really funny. Yeah. And he's completely collected Mr. and slick. calm. Right. He's right. super slick. He's like, right. everything he does, you're like, yeah, that's what the wolf does. That makes sense. Right. Right. You know, like, that's what's so good about that whole section. You know what's so funny? 
too is that like it, I, Tarantino's talked about this a lot, but he's like, when I wrote Reservoir Dogs, I knew I had to write a part that was so good for an older established actor where I could get my financing if I got someone of that and level. And he's to incredible come in Reservoir Dogs. Right. And it's yeah, like, like, that's, that's the only a- reason Reservoir Dogs gets made is the script gets to Kaitel and Kaitel likes it and that gives him the sort of seniority. And like, it's oh. Like big emotion, crying right. and yelling and, you know, all right. that stuff. And Kaitel, by all accounts, has like bemoaned the fact that since then he felt like Tarantino never repaid him. And I'm like, the next but movie, he gave you the, he wolf. Gave you the wolf. What do you want? Yeah. But you know, you hear that about Kaitel a lot with Scorsese as well, yes. right? Like where he's like, why am I not in, you know, a bigger, right. I don't know. His, I, I'm sorry that we're talking about Pulp Fiction, but remember where he's like, where do you guys live? And it's like Redondo Beach, Englewood. And he goes, your future, I see a cab ride. Like he <laughs> nails that line. Yes. It's so funny. <laughs> it's also funny that the person who now uses Kaitel the best is Wes Anderson. He does. Yeah. He's so good in Grand Budapest. Yeah, and he's great in fucking Moonrise as well. Grand Budapest has obviously got a lot more to do. But th- but like that's the thing. Grand Budapest, right? Like that's how I think of Kaitel. Right? Yeah. He's a little scary. He's kind of heavy. Right. Right. I feel like if I punch him, it'll yeah. hurt my hand. <laughs> right. <laughs> or he'll just kind of look at me and I'll be so like, sorry. Broad. He's old broad. school ripped where you're like, these aren't muscles for show. This is like brute force. The year before this, obviously, is Bad Lieutenant where he's, right. you know, like staggering around, waggling it. Cocking you know, the pistol. And, okay. But the, the, this is the thing. The, 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 like the kind of like the tight if you muscles. Catch my drip both pistols. I got it. I, got it. I guess Reservoir his literal Dogs. Gun in his penis. No, Reservoir Dogs is ninety two as well. Like he's yeah, really is, kind of this and is JF, a role. JFK yeah. is a what am I talking? I mean, sorry, Bugsy. Bugsy. Bugsy is the year before. That's his still his only Oscar nom. Right. That was sort of the like he should have an Oscar nom at some point. Let's just right. give him the nod for this. Yeah, it's, it's and he plays Lansky in that. Um, no, he plays Mickey. Cohen. Okay, D- right. does does fucking Kingsley play Lansky? Kingsley is Mayor Lansky. Because that movie is so bad. I've never seen it. It's hard. But Kaitel did a movie last year playing old man Lansky. Did he not? He did a movie called Lansky. <laughs> uh, um, so yes. good. In, he's so good in The Irishman. This is that. Yeah. This is that. Twenty years on from uh, Scorsese discovering him, kind of Kaitel reappreciation, elder statesman. Right. He's of hot a- in that, cinema in like Mean Streets yeah. or who's that Arkham? Like he was, he was hot. But do you agree? Yeah. Okay. But that's Esther like agrees. the thing they always talk about, like nineteen seventies. For the first time, movie stars were guys who look like your butcher. I mean, I think he's very hot on the piano. I do too. I do too. But definitely, if I like saw Harvey Keitel and Samuel in his no 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 oh, no no, I thought you like, were gonna like if I'm like at a bar uh-huh. and I'm on the prowl and I saw Harvey Keitel in his piano Colin for Keitel. look yeah. at the bar yeah. I would be like mm, I don't know if I'm gonna knock on that guy's door like, I, I don't mean, know but like he's he, got a weird energy. he looks like a fucking like a like a pit bull yeah. like he just has that energy also right? to have a face tattoo and when when does this movie take place uh this movie takes place in like the 1850s i think yeah it's that's like, like you know that's like really really ahead of like the soundcloud rapper era do you know what i mean like <laughs> it is, is so I mean, light years ahead he was doing character. laps around takashi i mean yeah. you know the classic yeah. maori tattoos they would like notch grooves into your face which some of the um right some of the just like you know side characters have that right, yeah right, right whereas others I mean, and then i'm sorry can we just circle back this movie doesn't take place in 1992 i thought <laughs> i i believe it's a period i mean i believe it's the 1850s because it's like um but i, I do want no i could tell the fashions were out of date but i just thought well this movie's 30 years old i do want to read some campion quotes about there were no hobbits 
either. About, uh, at all. Tell? Which I was really surprised. <laughs> Just because you expected New Zealand yeah. that there'd be a hobbit or two? Yeah. There's Why? got to be a hobbit. There's a scene where Kaitel is like, come back to my hobbit hole and teach me piano. <laughs> it, it is just so funny because to give some backstory for this movie, obviously. We'll have second breakfast. This movie is like in Jane Campion's head as early as Sweetie or an angel at my table. It blows like it's, How it's, do you fucking just like sit down as a film school graduate and go like, hmm. What if there was a piano? Like, this is such a bizarre movie to not it's, be adapted I from have, anything. You know, know. that's so, it's so funny because obviously I'd seen this movie before and like I hadn't really thought about it, but I did sort of. But I was like, last night I was like, just to confirm, it wasn't adapted. Not adapted. No, but there I, is, I, my mind keeps on telling me this is some book, it's not right? Book. Or some sort of like story, a folk story. I mean, it's yeah. based on pianos, pianos, yeah. Okay. She novelized it. Like, mm-hmm. there is, the, I found it, there's a, like, the LA Times published an excerpt, like, from her sort of, like, right. novelization. But it's of it. weird. It's got, like, whole chapters where she just talks about her favorite movies and it's a joke about Tarantino's novels. Yeah, no, I know. I read it. It was good. I read it on a hammock. I read it on a hammock. That was a pull quote on the jacket. Yeah. Good for Hammock. Good Hammock read. <laughs> David um, right on hammock. So she's got these three, you know, when she's right, when she's made these short films, she's coming like yeah. she's like, yeah, I'd love to make a Janet Frame on a you know biography. I would love to make Sweetie this like little movie about sisters. And I'd love to make this movie about like, you know. Uh, Anglos and you know English and Scottish people, you know Anglo-Saxons the, arriving sh- in New Zealand. The sweetie like, thing. It, this is what's so bizarre by, by her account, right? Sweetie was cheaper. That's so, why well, she. Could but make also, it sweetie seemed to be the idea that was least formed at that moment. Yes. Like coming out of film school, having done two friends, having done her short films, she's like piano's the thing that's really kicking around in her head. She's ready to go with that, right? Yeah. And she's like, I'd like to do something about Janet Frame. I haven't quite cracked that one. And then she gets these awards at Cannes, and she's like, I should use this momentum to make a weird low-budget comedy that no one will let me make later in my career. The weird foresight she has is, if I make piano now, I can't go backwards to Sweetie. Right. I yes. can do Sweetie now and evolve to piano. But it's, it's somehow even harder to imagine her just being like, I have this idea for the piano fully formed in my head. I'm going to sit on it for four years. Um, well, it's so interesting. Yes. This is like... Obviously, she needed more money to make this. Yeah. Right. And I'm, I feel like I'm allowed to... But I... So I went to a reception for Power the Dog mm-hmm. um, this year. You're and allowed. I, what? You're allowed to do that. Yes. Yeah. Griffin's no, allowing I'm, you I'm on allowed. the podcast. Yeah. Well, yeah. no. I, I spoke with her. Um, and I oh. had just... I know about this. Um, yeah. I told David. And I had just watched Holy Smoke talked with J-Dog? Time. Yeah, I talked with Jay Talk. Cool. Um, uh, <laughs> I also talked with her current producer Tanya, who rules and is so fun. T money. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Should I? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. So stupid. Um, <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no but i was talking there and i t- said like i had just seen holy smoke for the first time and it sort of blew my mind and she said something about like wanting to make a comedy again which is so interesting yeah. to me because also like i do feel like i wanted to mention this too that like obviously i didn't see the piano when it came out um i was three years old sure. um 
and uh, Hummelbrag, yeah. yeah. Um, and but I had this impression of it as this like very, and it is a very serious movie, but this sort of like very sort of like staid Oscar-y movie. And then you know you look at her other work, and like she is funny, and there is, she is. funny oh, yeah. stuff. Like she is, you know. And I thought that was really interesting. Well, and like her short films are very comedic. Sweetie is so much more of a comedy than I expected uh, yeah. when I saw it for the first time. And then I, I talked about in our episode, which hasn't come out at the time that we're recording this, but I watched uh, Sweetie with commentary, and she's just so fucking funny as a person. Yeah. And so jokey, and even talking about like her more serious films that come later in her career, she is she it, it's odd. I mean, and like Power of the Dog is very funny. Like a lot of her quote unquote serious movies are Power imbued with very funny. a weird Power of the Dog is hilarious. comedic yeah. vibe. One of my, my favorite moments. This I know is you're maybe her about least this, funny but my, movie. But, the yeah. funniest moment in Power of the Dog for me is like Jesse Plemons has come back to the the sort of kitchen where mm-hmm. um where Kirsten Dunst is working and he like just looks at a he takes a th- he takes a like a container and it's like he looks at it and he's like sauce it's like it's like he reads the label and he's like goes well on savory and like it's just like it's very deadpan and it's very funny to me she's like very into the weirdness of human behavior yeah and a thing she says in the sweetie commentary which i've already said but it just bears repeating is that she's like i always go out of my way in all of my movies to try to have uh, a nude scene yeah and to show people going well, to the bathroom. Okay. I'm sorry. We've made like this. How long have we been recording and we haven't four talked? Hours. Four hours. We haven't gotten horny yet. Like, what are we doing? Well, look at me building a bridge to horniness. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, what are we even We're doing? We're going to get always, horny. Like, I, I, fucking I, doing context. I have new I know. I just wanted to. Esther I, and we, I, like. We haven't even got to first base. Come on. <laughs> Esther and I like slack each other every day if there's like boobs and something we're watching. It's it's just ridiculous. We're all so bored in our fucking homes, like watching art films. And Esther's like some good boobs in that Sundance screener. (laughs) Both of you. Okay, you started the boobs thing. Yes, sure. (laughs) Not 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 trying to. Record that I wasn't the one that was like. First Fair enough. David, you want it caught, like, Esther? If it hurts, you know. No, you're no, no, professional. no. I just wanted to make it clear I'm that you were the one who initiated boobs? asking me if they're boobs in right. a movie, and right. then now I will or just, dick or dick. And now I will just tell you yeah, if you'll there just are be like, boobs in a movie yeah, right, that right, I'm right. Esther, thank you for clarifying. We should, of course, mention that you are currently angling for the job of uh, chief film critic for Mr. Skin. Yes, <laughs> yes, of course. Like. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny to imagine like a bunch of critics watching a movie taking notes and the well, mr skin guy's just like <laughs> sitting bored and then there's a new scene he's like oh taking <laughs> notes leaving to act right well isn't like, he's not even horny he's just curiously camping, writing notes like in the cut the like one in knocked up in the cut they he, they make he, a joke about he it. makes yeah. a, a joke because about... he's like who's your favorite actress and she's like meg ryan he's like bam in the cut boobs yeah. bush yeah she doesn't like it their website which they don't realize is Mr. i mean the, one of in knocked up is that he does it he's doing a mr skin and then halfway through paul rudd's like wait that's just mr skin. like they acknowledge <laughs> yeah. like, this site exists sidebar <laughs> what makes that joke so he's funny paul rudd doing the face well a doing the face 
(laughs) But B, you're also giving, you're assuming the movie is operating on movie logic where you're like, like, this doesn't exist within the movie. Right, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. And then unlike Studio 60 when they say like, well, Lauren over at SNL and destroys the reality. This is the comedic version of that where they're like, no, there's a real version of this. Your business idea is bad. I just didn't know. (laughs) Right. uh, yeah. Okay. So let's get horny. I, no, no, she, no, no, no. Wait. Okay. Oh, David well, wants to do more context. We can let David do more she, context. Keep she says context. that she always tries to put nude scenes and bathroom scenes. She, it, there's a peeing scene in this movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. In all of her films. And right she, at the start, it, peeing. Right. At like right. two minutes in. And later too. Yeah. The, and uh, later the yeah. yeah the, right. They're multiple. Yeah. yeah. And like multiple full frontal. But um, she's like, I just think it's like funny. Like it's goofy. It's it's like interesting to watch people in this very like odd awkward vulnerable state like she doesn't think of it as being this super erotic thing she's almost just like it's very weird to look at someone's naked body okay can and I, how people move when if they're we're naked. talking about peeing on screen mm-hmm. can i just tell you a really random thing that's in my brain i have this very strong memory and i don't think it's actually in the movie of because i think it's something that i invented i don't i don't know Maybe it is. I haven't rewatched this movie that recently. But I saw the Jillian Armstrong Little Women when I was like four. And I have a memory of like somebody in that movie hoisting up their petty coats and peeing that can't be true and <laughs> like in, in the like sort of like pg all for the no. family like, like is it i mean i don't know no, i haven't seen that movie since i was a kid i'm pretty sure it's absolutely right not you're true. or you're you're I thinking of some other looked, movie i went right. and looked for it scrubbed yeah. <laughs> you scrubbed through the netflix right you check mrpiss.com it. but, like, but it's this thing it probably of, exists absolutely oh. exists my friend but it's of like when I was a child just like being so obsessed with that movie and so obsessed with the idea of petticoats but also trying to like like how do you pee in that yeah like also trying to sort of like in my brain reconcile like human bodily functions with the like fantasy you of invented like those... the scene because you were caught up in the logic of how they I right. think so right, right. it's I like the Harry Potter thing it. yeah what Harry Potter remember like at some point J.K. Rowling was just doing oh, the thing like, where she like writes oh, blog yes. posts well and she was like she was they like, take a shit on the floor and then they, they, before they had plumbing they would just clean it up with their wands and like clean what up how when like would they just sort of stop and exactly where like that. I don't think it's exactly like that, her explanation but... is even weirder than what David just said yeah. I'm telling you no, they would just shit on the floor and then they'd like but, Wait, but like would they anyway okay whatever. I didn't want to derail this but it's just like a weird like incepted memory that I have sure. like, yes yes you didn't um, derail anything um, you re-railed it I yeah re-railed you re-railed it. I just think it's funny that and everything you're saying is true about you know she demands certain much. things from her. like not everyone's gonna be able to be in a Jane Campion movie no. right like you know that's probably part of it yeah She's going to want, she, right, she might want nudity or some, you know, weird, like, you know, characters. Anyway, mm-hmm. she's making this movie, which is like about New Zealand to her, right? Like, that's how she talks <laughs> sure. about it. Sure. You know, when, when she's sort of just trying to, because it's hard for her to describe this project in these interviews. Mm-hmm. She's like, yeah. yeah, it's sort of about like Anglo settlement in New Zealand. And she picks Holly Hunter and Harvey Keitel as the leads. Mr. Brooklyn and Ms. Texas. It's so insane. That's what and I'm it saying. Works. They're two of the most regionally specific actors. She, I think she was probably like, I mean, Sam Neill is wonderful in this movie, but she's probably like required by law. Yeah. Like, it's like, come yeah. on. You can't, you have to cast someone from around here. And, and just insane that this is the same year as Jurassic Park. That well, he yeah. has like. That's right. The it's highest. The same year as Jurassic Park. I was watching it 
Um, yesterday. He's getting cucked by Goldblum in Park. Yeah. He's getting cucked by Keitel here. He's getting cucked by the Rex. <laughs> Which Park. filmed yeah. first? Which filmed first? Do you I know? have to assume filmed it's... Jurassic Park. Well, but yeah, because post-production, that must have been Nightmare. Well, there's a whole... Yeah, because I think it's like... I mean, he shot all... Excuse me, where did that whistle come I was from? watching yesterday, and <laughs> David looks Bob, was, Bob would come in and watch it. He was like, do you think Sam Neill on set was just like to little tiny Allison... <laughs> Allison, to little tiny Anna Paquin, like... I've seen dinosaurs. Like I right. motherfucking yeah, seen wait till you see right, okay. dinosaurs. This David, film... My logic is that they shot all of Jurassic Park, and then Steven Spielberg was supervising post production while shooting Schindler's List, which comes out is, the same. I believe season that as is Canada. true. I was trying to remember. I knew right. that he was working yeah. on post on one when he was shooting right. the other, which was part of the whole legend of like how right. did he pull this off? So I'm guessing this shot after at the same time as Schindler. The piano shot from April. To July 1992. Okay. And Jurassic Park shot from August to fuck knows when. So, yes, he went, Neil went right from this to Jurassic Park. Yeah. Oh, so he did oh, piano this first. This was first. Yeah. This was first. Jesus. So he couldn't tell Tiny Anna Pack when I've seen yeah. dinosaurs. Uh, he could not, but he could probably say, I'm going to I'm going go see, to dinosaurs. see dinosaurs. And of course, I'm sure when he arrived on set, Richard Attenborough said, Welcome to <laughs> Jurassic Park. He said, Welcome to Base Camp. Your trailer is over there. Um, do you think that's like just everyone arriving? Breakfast burritos. On he's like menu a Walmart reader. Just Richard Adams. Welcome to. And they're like, what? And he's like, it's in the movie. You'll see. <laughs> it is like such a failing of the Universal Studios theme parks that they don't have a cast member. I don't even need them to be doing like a Hammond depression. Right. But that when you enter that area, welcome. there isn't a person whose job is to just tell say you that. Eight how million sad times I am that the Jurassic Park ride in Hollywood is now Jurassic this World. Is, this is some Griffin talk. I know. I I've gone on it twice now. Oh. And How is it? I, I, it's, it's good, but I there is I think the original Jurassic Park ride was getting a little bit creaky. It was. I did go on it like the last summer it was open because yeah. I was at the park to write my Waterworld story, um, which I've talked about on this pod before. Of course. But um, one of my proudest moments. But And like they gave me like you know, a press ticket to the park and I was just there by myself and I was like, I guess I'm going to go on Jurassic Park one more time before it like goes away. And an insane. Oh, no, sorry. What were you going to say? Oh, no, it was great. It it just, it it clearly needed a little bit of renovation and instead it became a a general retheming. I do think it's impressive. I obviously have no love for the modern world franchise. I will say this as just an, an objective fact. I love Universal Hollywood. I'm a lunatic who buys the annual pass, even though I live in New York. Did you see the Business Insider story or Insider, whatever it's called these days, where a girl was like, I gave up my co-working space and I bought an annual pass to Universal Studios Hollywood and I just work out of the park. I know several people who have done that. That's psychotic. Do you know how much annual pass costs? No, it's like $200 or whatever. It's less. And a ticket for one day costs like $100. Okay. So it's just worth it if you go more than once a year. And I know people are just like, I work out of the fucking Three Broomsticks Cafe. Yeah, she was like, she was like, I get my beer at most Tavern when I'm done with work. If I lived in L.A., (laughs) I would absolutely do this because I'm a maniac. (laughs) But I just think it's interesting that we can move on from this. I do think Jurassic World's pretty successful despite not loving those movies. I do find it interesting that the couple of times I've been since Jurassic World reopened, there is constantly less of a line for that than there was for the park ride. Right. There's never any no way for the new one. Yeah. Um, also, it's a pandemic. Yeah. That's true. Um, That's true. 
but but true. other other rides have like a fucking hour plus. By the way, I okay. think uh, your uh, Waterworld piece is one of the only reasons there's now a new Waterworld TV show. That's a theory that I have. Piece. Um, thank you. I hope we that's true. It out. I think Universal Before. was like, wait, yes. we have weird. I ran into um your friend Alex Ross Perry at a party like years ago when those still happened, and he was like, I was like, oh, like I was introducing myself like through blank check, and he he mentioned that he'd read my Waterworld story. Of course. Okay. Back In, to the piano. Can't be part of the cast. The she says, mm-hmm. "I'm just like this is completely unfocused." She says, "It's bizarre that I chose Harvey Keitel." She admits it. Like I know that I associated him with like younger, like Mean Streets, Bad Timing, The Duelist, like you know, '70s Keitel, right? She saw the two Jakes, which I guess was a recent Keitel movie at oh, that point. Oh, sure. Yeah. Not exactly. Right. Not the one you'd right. think like, hey. I've, not, I've never seen yeah. it. She liked him in that. She sent which, him. For those who don't know, just to clarify, because it's a movie that I think most people would be astonished to hear even existed. Jack Nicholson Day, decades later, Chinatown sequel that he directed. Correct. Oh, Jesus. Keitel's the second lead in it. Yes. Um, I think That's he's. fascinating. And is no, it, it just doesn't exist. It's a weird is movie. It, is it good? No. No, it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, but uh, she sends him the script. He was divorcing or breaking. Maybe were they married? Was he married to Rocco, Rocco or were they just breaking? They were up? married. Oh no, they were not. Their oh, breakup is sorry. the stuff. Well, this is the thing. Very messy. He, he was well, going through a notorious yeah. breakup with Lorraine Bracco, and yeah. which I what, didn't know about until recently, and I don't want to get into. But I was like, sort of shocked. I know. Um, but uh, she Campion says what was happening in his life in the time he wanted to act in a film that spoke to the relationships between men and women rather hmm. than another like cops and robbers movie. Interesting. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. think like he had never been tender on screen. Basically, yeah. like he was interested by the script for that reason. Well, and also just look at the run of all the films we were just talking about that he's doing around this period of time, right? Mickey Cohen, The Wolf, Bad mm-hmm. Lieutenant. Yeah. Reservoir Mr. Dogs, White, yeah. right? Like, like a uh, fucking two J. Like he's playing always either cops or criminals. Judas, the greatest criminal of all. <laughs> he betrayed our father, son, whatever, whatever. Jesus, but like was. especially post. What's Jesus? Not mine. <laughs> wow. a face like Jesus is mad at me. <laughs> Um, yeah. I don't know if it's Jesus as much as his fans. But then, you know what? Although he is in Thelma and Louise, which obviously he plays a cop, but oh. he's weirdly the sympathetic yeah. figure in that one. But Such still, a good performance. He's just almost always a cop or a criminal. Definitely. Because that's, you know, that's his. That's, 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 that's how he reads. Sort of what he looks like. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's, you know, obviously. Um, when does Monkey Trouble come out relative to this movie? Monkey Trouble? That's the one with the monkey? Yeah, and Thor Birch. It comes out a year later. Okay. Uh, can you tell me the um, tagline for Monkey Trouble? Here comes Monkey Trouble? No. Good tagline. Oh, this looks like a double tagline, actually. Sorry. Gotta, we got to look this one up. Monkey now. Business. Ben, uh, is now. I think I saw this movie in theaters. Yeah. I always forget like which animal movies I saw in mm-hmm. theaters. Okay. Tagline one. He's cute. He's cuddly. He's a klepto. Uh because the monkey has like a vest with watches that he's stolen. <laughs> I forgot how good the poster was. And like he and Thora Birch are wearing the same backwards red baseball yeah, cap. Yeah, they look like crisscross. And then the second tagline is, what would you do if the pet you wanted most was one of America's most wanted? Yeah, well. I didn't know that the... Anyway. Don't what would you that. do? I don't know. Not worry about it. I think I tells the villain in that. Probably. I'm going to get that monkey. Yeah, got to get that monkey. That monkey's got to go to jail. Mm. Um, so that, I, I, Kaitel is, he's swerving. Yes. I'm just saying everything could go wrong here. On, Holly yeah, Hunter, yeah. 
like is is bizarre casting on on paper. Sure, yes, yeah. Harvey Keitel is insane casting on right. paper. Sam Neill is perfect casting. She and she admits that she was like, I chose him right away. He's really handsome. I, I his face is like kind of perfect for, for like you know for what the, for the role. Arguably, the most dialogue heavy role is given to an unknown ten year old girl. Like Paquin has more dialogue yeah. than anyone else. Of course, in this movie. yeah. Um, obviously. The we the most interesting thing I think is also it's like Kaitel is all method right like that's he is right. like a prime method guy yeah so I was he's fucking this being is crazy. like a, and Sam Neill's like a classically trained New Zealand who's whenever just little, I hear opposites. the name Harvey Kaitel this is another like one of my weird family stories um I always think of this impression my dad does of. Burt Lancaster saying Harvey Keitel method actor, which is like Harvey Keitel method actor, which he heard from Peter Riegert, who Burt Lancaster told this story to on okay. Local Hero. Because right. Peter Rieger was friends with my is friends with my parents or was friends with my parents. One so, of the all time great Jews, Peter Rieger. Wait, yeah, is Peter Rieger not with us? No, no, no. Well, you said I mean, was. They, well, they're not like close. Wow, they should mend that. They're not, Trouble in paradise. Not, they're not like not close. They're just not like Look, they used to be very good friends. Esther, anyway. I don't know your parents. I don't want to criticize them, but if I were friends with Peter Riegert, I would prioritize maintaining that relationship. I would lock that down. Remember anyway, how funny he was in uh, Kimmy Schmidt? He was yeah. great in Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah. He also showed up for like succession. two seconds in Succession. I know that was weird because that was one of those things where you're like, okay, this is going to be a big <laughs> role, right? Become like, the new no. lead character of the show, right? And was, but <laughs> yeah, so whenever I hear. Harvey Keitel and method actor yeah. I think of this like weird like three level removed like impression just like Harvey Keitel method actor I want to read um, these quotes this one from Keitel is so good about working with Jane Campion Harvey. is this from the T magazine pro like the New York magazine profile I don't think so oh okay Jane Campion is a goddess and it's difficult for a mere mortal to talk about a goddess. I fear being struck by lightning bolts. Wow. This is from a New York magazine, pro- the New York Times okay, well, magazine this, profile. This is, says this is from the Christian Science Monitor, but okay. No. Maybe uh, he said this multiple times. Or whatever. The next day Sorry. he called to clarify. What's a, so he calls back, I guess, after giving that <laughs> weird quote. What's unusual about her has to do with ethereal things. She is at play like a warm breeze. And I love the guy picking up the phone being like, yeah, warm well. breeze. Got it. Thank you for clarifying. Yes, that really, really, well, really settles it down. Look, you also have to think about, like, who's Keitel working with as directors, right? Like Tarantino, <laughs> Scorsese, all the guys. Are like, yeah, da, 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 da. Right? I'm going to go watch eight movies right <laughs> now. <laughs> um... Yes, absolutely. Uh, Sam Neill says she's wor- uh, she, sorry. When you're working, uh, when you're an actor, you're putting yourself in other people's hands. Mm-hmm. She repays that gesture. She's interested in complexity, not reductiveness. She's very sure of what she's doing. If you have an opinion contrary to her, she listens with the greatest care and consideration, then does what she had in mind all along. That's a good quote, which I love. Yeah. And Genevieve Lemon, who's in this, mm-hmm. uh, by the way, this sweetie. is exactly the the magazine profile that I pulled. That's fine. I'm just just reading from the dossier, okay? Okay. Getting pwned, David. Uh, Genevieve Lemon, I love this. Yeah, sweetie herself. She's always saying, strip, strip, give me less acting. Cool. Right. It just sounds so cool. Yeah. Um, But, uh, right, everything we're saying. Yeah. Holly Hunter, crazy casting. I tell crazy casting. Then, as you say, they also have the challenge of we need a child actor who has to shoulder a lot of the vocal burden. Right. 
um, who can handle like, like a workload. Is like she sort of a linchpin of the movie, but also she has to speak for the female lead, essentially. And like she has to do sign language. She has to be like she's the one character who's sort of the intermediary between all the other characters. And I mean, it's just one of obviously they two did. stoic men who don't talk that much and a right. mute woman. I mean, it's that classic like. They, you know, saw hundreds of kids right. and she was just so... It, I don't know how it works with child actors. Like, they're just probably just, like, some kid who's just so poised and, like, can learn dialogue about, so I well. I mean, I'm sure Griffin probably has insight on this. I but I was thoughts, also yeah. thinking about this, too, in the context of, like, obviously Anna Packman's performance is amazing. But I was thinking about this. I'm not... I don't think you have, David, but I'm not sure if any of you mm-hmm. guys have watched the show Yellow Jackets. There's, like, a creepy kid not in it. Yet. And I was, like... I was, like thinking about those like the creepy kids that you cast it's like what do you tell them to do just like be creepy like how does it work like i don't know it's it's bizarre <laughs> it's bizarre i mean i used to always have that thought and then i started auditioning for stuff and you're like oh i'm signing in to audition for like fucking like desperate virgin number two like the character's name is or the breakdown like describes you in such unflattering terms or whatever it is and when when it's kid roles it's that much more of a mind fuck i i mean i think no what were you gonna say oh no i was just jumping off of virgins i have something to say oh please yeah um put a put a pin in virgins um uh, you you were tweeting about uh, this movie with uh, past and future guest Alan Sepinwall because you just posted a photo of Anna Paquin's uh, Oscar speech, David. This morning I rewatched all their Oscar wins, right? And I put right. up, a, it's just such an, an image. And your your wording was because Sepinwall was sort of saying like, I haven't watched that since it came out. It didn't really stick with me. Is that movie like was that just hype or this and that? Like that performance, her winning the Oscars, kind of weird. I remember being sort of flummoxed by it. And your wording was, do you, do you want to recite it directly? Uh, let me call up. Oh, wow. Wow, I'm on a great page right now. Twitter.com slash David L. Sims. <laughs> what? <laughs> Got to bookmark that one for a later. Bunch. Uh, she's incredible. It's probably the most poised child acting performance of a generation. Which I, I thought that was a very good way of putting it. Because as much as she does have like the burden in this movie... Of, of carrying so much of it, it's kind of surprising that she doesn't necessarily have the big Oscar scene. Yeah, when you think of her as an Oscar winner, you're like, right, there must be some scene where she melts down. I feel like down. it's also, right. well, yeah. I don't know. She has a scene where she's like, where she runs into Stuart Sam Neill and she's like, where is she going? And she's like, to hell. Or like, um, which is great. She's got moments. And then she right. ha- and she has the moment where she's like tasked with it's so fucked up bringing the finger to yes. um to Baines to Harvey Keitel and just fully melts down and right. he's like sort of shaking her being like what did they do to your mother and the the woman who is with him is like she's a child like holding her mother's finger she's got big moments but it is like the win is kind of more like david as you said yeah how is this girl so poised and also like she has to kind of carry this entire fucking thing on her shoulders i i remember the the recently departed peter bogdanovich talked about how like the thing that he thinks got tatum o'neill the oscar mm-hmm. is that so much of that movie plays out in long one takes right. of the two of them she's in so heart. good in that movie she's so right and movie. he's like the fact that i'm not cutting around her and that most child performances people know, you just get a lot of shit and then you put it together in post. Yeah. That it's like, here's a five-page dialogue scene. Was he wearing a cravat when he said this, though? Sorry. His big defense of that was that it's, it was not. It was a cowboy handkerchief. He took it up on Last Picture Show. <laughs> and that people think it's pretentious and it was actually My a cowboy. Cold. 
Leave me alone. I've heard him say that before. I think it, at, at a fucking. I Q&A mean, the best thing is yeah. his his water jug in yeah. The Sopranos. Sure. Where Jonah Hill was like apparently like met him and was like, "Why do you have a water jug with a mesh bag over it in The Sopranos?" And he's like, "I brought it from home." And they said I could use it. That's that's why. <laughs> anyway, there's that joke in the documentary now episode. I think it's the Mr. Showbiz episode or whatever, where he makes some line about like I made a bet with da 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 da. Anyway, that's the reason I've been wearing a damn handkerchief for the last fifty. Years. It's funny you bring up Tata, like Tatum O'Neill, because I do. That is like sort of one of the other. Because like in the ch- sort of chapter that I talk about sure. um, kids, it's like this idea and like because it's about fashion, like this idea with Tatum is this like little girl trying to pretend she's something that's not a little girl and her whole life is being forced into this. And she chooses the tux because it's um, because she was in awe of Bianca Jagger, who her father fucked at the time. And, um, you know, and her whole, the whole story around it is so sad because it's like also, she writes in her memoir that when uh, she found out that he she got an Oscar nomination and yes. Ryan O'Neill didn't, he punched her. Yeah. Well, he's um, a real cunt. He's like one of the worst, <laughs> one of the worst people, people yes. in American yes. history. And the like and Paquin is so interesting too because it's like and the whole thing about like the Tatum performance is this sort of like kid that's wise behind beyond her years and the whole thing that's really interesting i think about the paquin performance not that they're like is that flora is a child like there's so flora is such a child like it's not like a paper moon performance where you're like oh this kid is sort of like a wise talking like you know kid who's like above like flora is a kid she's she's doing the cartwheel she's singing songs she's she's bratty. all energy and chaos yeah. and she's yeah. bratty in the way that a child is bratty and she her allegiances switch in a way that a child's allegiances switch she says like at the beginning you know like i'm not gonna call him papa and then by the end when she's sort of turning on her mother because she feels you know ignored by her she's calling right. sam Neil papa, papa. Yeah. and it's yeah. so and she is so, like that's what's sort of amazing about the performance too because it's it is poised it is like preternatural in a way but it's also it's the performance of a child it's not mannered it's not like like i love saoirse ronan in atonement and obviously she's playing a very like sort of calculating character in that yeah. but it's a very mannered performance and, yeah. like, and saoirse know, a very ronan mannered movie. is notoriously one of those people who like is like dakota fanning or whatever where it's like from the youngest age she showed up on set and had the intensity and intelligence right. of an adult a she born, was just a little right. adult little actor right, right. exactly right yes. it was a, a very psychologically thought out process Tremblay. and, and you're saying like uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but that Paquin sort of like, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing at that point in time. Yeah. Compared, obviously, the disparity between her and, and Tatum O'Neill, and you have to compare them because they're the two straight up children to win yes. competitive Oscars, right? Yeah. Tatum O'Neill is like, could not be more in the Hollywood system, right? right? In showbiz, and also can never come out from the shadow of her childhood performances, which even after Paper Moon is like... Bad News Bears. Where she's also playing beyond her years, yeah. you know? And like Nickelodeon, where she's doing the same thing with yeah. Bogdanovich and her dad again, all that sort of shit. And she like cannot figure out as an adult, whether whereas Anna Paquin has like several phases of her career where she constantly plays the correct age she is at that moment <laughs> yeah, in different styles and whatever. But I do think there's the similarity in those two performances where you're just kind of like, they gave him the Oscar because they kind of went like, there's clearly no trick here. Like, you just kind of have to admit that this kid is pulling off this they're incredible thing. They're also not really thing. supporting performances. Absolutely not. But no. they're children, so right. they're sort of like immediately 
pegged as supporting, but they're sort yes. of not supporting. Right. You can get away with the Paquin thing because it, 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 she's literally supporting her mother. It's yes. kind of like the right. Brad Pitt and Hollywood thing where it's like, well, he is on screen all the time, but his right. he says like, I carry your bags. Well, yeah. I am supporting. And she right. she's second lead and they're like, the same gender and there's already best actors. Well, candidate. that's also true. The, the fucking Paper Moon one is more egregious that and it crazy. sets a bad precedent lead. right? right yeah, yeah, for like yeah, any yeah. younger actor to be put in right. supporting yeah. because yeah, she is the lead of that movie. Um, um, but I, I do think like Kavanzane is a great example of like, that's a very striking performance, yeah. but I think everyone who worked on that movie would tell you like, and, and publicly have done so like that was a very improvisational movie. They yeah. shot a lot of footage. They cast her based on energy. And that's a child that's reacting to a world around her. They're but capturing that movie's a thing. being made right in this very chaotic right. way. But I do, I, you know, this movie's crazy. Like, I wonder what Jane Campion's directing style was on it. Like, you think of this as such an epic movie because uh-huh. of the period setting, but it's not really. It really just has, like, three to four locations. No, it's no. right, you know. But it's also, but, like, the beach location It looks feels so good, so, right, yeah. It feels so sweeping, like, that, you know, those that image of them on the beach and... But you really, it's like... You really, I mean, which is the sense she wants mm-hmm. you to get. It's like, these people are fucking landing on a beach. On It's the ends of the earth. Yeah. They've come from Scotland. God knows how you would get from Scotland to New Zealand in the 19th century. I mean, I know you, like, take a boat. But, like, it's crazy. It's so far. Yeah. And then and it's like, like yeah, welcome to New Zealand. There's a bunch of fucking, like, forests and jungles. You want to build a house in there? Be my guest. Like, it's a crazy place to and be. And I will just, I do want to point out that, like, uh, some indigenous writers have taken issue with the way she portrays the indigenous community, mm-hmm. like, over time. It's another thing to get into at a different point. But, like, it's complicated and just as a note. But, like, it is this sort of, you know, it's it's so foreign to these people, like, to these... They, they are foreign in this film. But yeah. that is because this film is not from their perspective. That's sort right. of that's yeah. sort of the ultimate thing. It's like, this isn't about them, but obviously it acknowledges that they actually worked with Maori yeah, consultants yeah, yeah. and all a, that. Yeah. Cliff Curtis? I see Cliff Curtis. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, He's it's, it's a young Cliff Curtis. Yeah. He's got long hair. Yeah. Um, um, but, like, well, right. I mean, this is about intrusion, and they, yeah. right, they you know... Seem to mostly regard them with amusement, you know, like or you know, the, the the white settler, you know, like they're yeah. not really. I mean, there's a really great movie called Utu. You should check it out about like British colonization of New Zealand. That is that is worth seeing on that subject. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, yeah, can I uh, talk greasy on a quick side tangent that I swear is going to uh, come back around to underlining a point of a thing that works in this movie and also Campion at large. Go ahead. Uh, thank you for the permission. Yes. Um, I've been trying to catch up with the sort of uh, middling Oscar-adjacent movies of this season uh, recently. Absolutely. And I watched uh, George Clooney's The Tender Bar, yeah. which you and I were texting about. Where I have seen like, The Tender Bar. You have seen it as well. You bought it. Okay. I put it. I saddled up at The Tender Bar. You, you talked Dickens. I, put, I, I warmed up a stool, okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, you and I were texting about it, and we both had sort of the same takeaway. I think this is fair to say that... Uh, it is by default the best movie he has made by since Good Night and Good Luck, and also somehow the single most damning piece of evidence against his skill as a director. Because it is such a fucking T-ball layup that the fact that it does not succeed in even being a gentleman's six right. is like astonishing. Why is this movie not fun? 
Absolutely. Yeah. And right. you're like, this should you be. you want Ben Affleck. Like, Ben Affleck is great in it. He's great. And you want him to, be, like, you're sort of, like, you're sort of rooting for it because you're like, this guy is playing a fun guy. Like, Absolutely. And he's doing a great job. And this should be the most watchable him, like, shit yeah. in the world. Yeah. And as I said to David, like, if this movie was 20% better, Ben Affleck would be winning the Oscar in a cakewalk. Like, I, I truly think if the movie surrounding him had any juice to it. He's probably going to get a nom. He probably is. is. Yeah. He should have gotten a nom for the last but so Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, that's why I'm like, if he gets the tender bar nom, that's it's sort of for his it's, two supporting performances this year. Yeah, it's the Leo and Blood Diamond or right. whatever. Yeah. But I'm watching this movie and I'm going like, how is he fucking this up? What is not working here, right? And a thing that sort of jumped out to me is just like every single performance in this movie save for Affleck maybe, feels like a first take performance, right? I'm not implying that George Clooney is Clint Eastwood and does one take and is like, we're out of here, right? But when you talk about David, like what does a director do? Like what is it she's doing to get these performances out of them, to have actors talk about her in these reverential terms, right? Sure. And so often it is hard to quantify what directing is. And I think often people in the general public who don't know that much about filmmaking just think about it as... Like visual style, which only jumps out to me that the visual style is very loud and unique, like your Zack Snyder or some shit, right? Or are the performances good, right? Like they just think about directors working with actors. There's a thing my mother told me when I was young that always stuck with me where she was like, the way you can tell a movie is well-directed is if every performance in it is good. She was like, that doesn't happen by accident. There could be good performances in yeah, a movie yeah, no, that was poorly directed and the actors kind of took over. But if every single person in a movie is good, like a movie like Spotlight, where you're just like every guy who shows up for four lines in that movie crushes it, right? Um, and watching Tender Bar, it's just like even Affleck, who's pretty fucking in the pocket, every scene feels like Clooney failed to find any other additional interesting layers he failed to find any way to throw it off the hump to put some weird energy in there to make some discovery everything feels like the most surface level reading of well that's what you would do in this scene that's how you play this character right and campion every single scene in all of her movies i would say or all the ones i've seen so far at least there's always just some odd thing happening there you know like there's some odd energy some odd choice some odd moment you know where it just feels like she is never letting her scene play out in the conventional obvious way even from how she's written it when she's often written weird screenplays and even just casting odd people so that they're throwing their their basic inherent existence is throwing in an odd energy sure and we talk about all this shit with like how are all these performances working in the same movie? People at varying levels of stardom and different like different reputations methods. and all of yeah. that. Yeah. But it is that thing where she's able to get everyone on the same page and in every scene add some odd fucking some layers okay. that make you lean in and go like, what the fuck's going on here? So if we can get horny for a second. Let's get been horny. Waiting. I've been waiting. Because this will also circle back to my pin and virgin of course your virgin pin a virgin the virgin pin. pin the virgin pin is this the first oscar winning movie with butt play in it <laughs> okay but that's related to my virgin thing do you think this was brought up in that new york times magazine feature mm-hmm. that i that you keep I sort of, fucking jamming in my side i'm sorry i just read it last night and i thought it was really well written and written i written by it. esther zuckerman <laughs> i didn't write okay, it okay well no, sorry what comes well up? do you think I guess I hadn't thought about that because I thought I, he must have fucked at some point. But like, do you think Sam Neill's character Stewart Alistair. is a virgin? 
I don't know. I mean, because in that article, they suggested that he was a virgin. I right. was like, oh, he, he's so freaked out by. Yeah. Well, she goes right to the butt. I mean, she does go right to the Which butt. This is a move. I'm not objecting. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. like, um, and he's like, I don't know. I mean, there's certainly like, right. There's like, he he's very afraid of any kind of like intimacy or tenderness. Yeah. Right. Like not in but a way. But he does want to grab her. Because he's yeah, but like he's what, got the sort of only, male only, brain yeah. alpha thing of like yeah. you're mine, you're my property. But yes, I mean, not to like yeah, to be essentially negotiating a dowry of like a like it's like look, uh, she she doesn't talk. She's obsessed with her fucking piano. She, she might be dumb. Kid. She, she has, has a kid an, an who's kid. Uh, like a whirling dervish. The kid's a lot. <laughs> Do you want to take all that on board? And he's like, yeah. yeah, sure. Like, so maybe, yeah, maybe he's a bit of an awkward fella. <laughs> like, if that's what he's, right? You know, he's and like, he sure, I'll talk, take it. It's I fine. can't remember the name because Nessie is Genevieve Lemon, who, okay. and the yeah. other one, um, the other sort of maid helper lady, he keeps sort of like confiding in her, and she's like, it's fine. She'll touch you eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, so yeah. Maybe he plan. is. Sexually inexperienced, I guess. Yeah, and she does go straight from. Yeah, is this the only Oscar-winning movie? Well, so the first, the first. This is my counter to that, and I, I don't, I don't have an answer. Sure, neither do I. Does does Midnight Cowboy have implied butt play? I can't remember. It might. It might. Well, obviously, like, yeah, it might. He's like, you know, it might. Right, but None it's not on screen. screen, so I guess that you know we don't know what fucking they do in Gone with the Wind. Maybe there's butt play in that too. We don't yeah. know. They, you know, off screen doesn't count. I'm sure. talking on screen. Sure. Um, but anyway, no, I just sort of wanted to say that it's something. I said it to Esther the other day. Yeah, yeah I know you've been thinking about it a yeah. lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think this movie. We've talked about this on other episodes. Mm. How like Ben is just making the funniest faces right now. It's really good. Yeah, butt play. <laughs> Do you like this movie, Ben? By the way, I haven't gotten your piano take from you yet. Do I like this movie? Like, yeah. how did you feel about the piano? Because you loved Sweetie so much. I did love Sweetie. Sweetie seems like a very bad movie. Yeah. It's, it's sort of chaos. Yeah. Yes. And dirty. It's real dirty. Hell yeah. And also like Ben's physically dirty. dated more than a couple Sweeties. <laughs> yeah, right. And he's been a bit of a Sweetie. It's, he's it's, he's it's uh, right. Yeah. Can you, can he's you do sweetied the, some other people's lives. He's like, been a Sweetie. Can, he's can, been Sweetied and he's Sweetied. I can absolutely do the move on the chair. I won't do it here because yeah. there's not enough space, but trust that's happened. <laughs> um, but this movie, it, were you more perplexed by? Or? It, no, it's it. Uh, it made me feel a lot. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I find this film. Hell but yeah. it's, You find this film what? I said our finest film oh, credit, fine, but it's not straightforward. This is the thing. <laughs> and that's why I broached this with you is I was like, this film is really hard to describe to this day. Yes. And I think I've said this on some other podcasts, but it must have been. I remember at the time, it's like Schindler's List. What's that about? The Holocaust. Well, this yeah. guy does austere who saved Holocaust. Yeah. lives by, you know, you know, putting him, you know, but, but right. Like, OK, sure. The piano. What's it about? So she like is married to, off a to someone. Will. She's got a piano, and she's going to trade the keys for sexual favors to this other guy. You know, like it's just hard to describe the piano. It's about a woman's will. It's about a woman's that's, will. It's about the sky. It's about the sky. But that's uh, it's a little <laughs> bit about the sea. But that's that's why I keep on in my brain going like this has to be adapted from some indecipherable novel. Like, it feels like this movie right, is her taking on some novel where people go like, well, you could never adapt. I mean, adapt. I think about, like, her work and, like, it feels similar to 
Power of the Dog, which obviously we've had to is dis- based on a novel, right? Which is based on a novel, and the novel and is semi autobiographical. Like there's like yeah, two and you've layers, had, but you had to sort of like describe. Like I feel like writing this year, I've had to describe the Power of the Dog a lot, and it's like very difficult. Well, it's about a macho cowboy who makes life hell for a woman, and also his psychosexual relationship with like her son, and it's just like it's. It's but it's hard. So if you describe it that describe. way, you're loading it, people with the wrong expectations. Right, exactly. It's sort of, it's so, like, to boil it down to, like, you know, when you have to write, like, a, you know, a, here's what to look forward at the movies to this weekend thing. It's, like, very hard. But Sweetie's the same way. Like, you could describe Sweetie and make it sound like Yumi and Dupree, and then someone would watch right. it and go, like, what the fuck is this thing? Yeah. Um, this is what I was going to say. I know I have a tendency to read uh, Roger Ebert quotes on this podcast, but it's just, I fucking... He's, he often could turn a phrase. And I just think sometimes he has a way of just cutting through to the heart of something so cleanly. Yeah. Uh, but this is uh, the line from his review that really jumped out to me. Because uh, almost any time we cover a movie on this show, I look to yeah, see look Roger Roger's review. Yeah. Uh, he wrote, The piano is as peculiar and haunting as any film I've seen. It is one of those rare movies that is not just about a story or some characters, but about a whole universe of feeling. Mm, thank you, Roger. Feeling. Very similar to Ben's take. Right? Yeah, it's a lot of feelings. Like, and much like like you're saying about Power of the Dog, you're like, okay, she's a right. I get it. She's here against her will in a way. She doesn't really want to be married to this guy. She wants her piano. That's when she's happy playing her damn Michael Nyman. She's playing her, you know, her ditties on the piano. Sure. And then it's like, but then like, would you see like the whole thing of like Harvey Keitel being like, give me the piano coming. And then no. like, no, I'll well, treat you. But also Describing Keitel's to, character. Yeah, it's also very hard. It's like fascinating and hard to decipher those motivations in those moments and like the tension between them. Because it's like he has, he becomes, he takes them down to the beach, watches her p- play the piano, right. becomes sort of consumed and fascinated right. by He's it. Obsessed he decides it. to bring it up. He knows, he like has this sort of plan and it, at one point, like, there is a way to, there there would have been a way to sort of, like, make this movie where it's, like, this guy's a super fucking creep. That's yes. the thing. You think that's what it's going to be. Of course. And he's like, you play the piano while I, like, do stuff. And you're like, oh, The boy. fact that he says do stuff. <laughs> like, do things that I enjoy, I think. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But, but also just like, even his introduction, sorry, is, like. Wait, is Harvey Cattell playing a Maori tribesman? And you're like, no, yeah. he's like an expat who's like gotten very obsessed with their culture. Yeah. Like his he's, whole existence is Who confusing. has a wife. Yes. Who has a wife in Well, a she hall. lives in England in yeah. a hall. Yes. In a hall. Right. right. But and he's got a like, picture of her, her in his thing. wallet. But she's a model. Trying, but yeah, <laughs> right. he's, he's sort of, well, I mean, again, not to keep comparing it, but I do think they're really parallel works with Power of the Dog. Yes. Like, yeah, sure. they're really, really parallel works. It is the Phil Burbank thing of, like, this guy in Phil Burbank, like, this guy is literally, like, was a Yale classics major and has assumed he sublimated this, yeah, yeah. like, role of the, the cowboy. Macho, yeah. And it's sort of the same thing. This is a guy from England who has assumed this role right. as as uh, Maori. Um, essentially, like, a man of the woods. Like, yeah. a man right. of nature. All that. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. it's... But their first interactions are so... Because it is, like, I mean, all of her work has this... Like, is very feminist. Has this very... But it's mm-hmm. this, like... It's this tension of... 
he there's this negotiation. She agrees to the negotiation. He's gonna trade her keys. He's she, she talks him keys. down to black, black keys. keys. Like, she has an agency in the negotiation. Of she like, has an right. agency in the negotiation. Pretty quickly, he's like, eh, forget it. You're not even into it. Like, right. like it's a thing. You think but that's it's what the movie is. But it's moments where you're sort of like, how into this is, like, okay. I, I, I mentioned this to David when we were just like texting about the movie, but like, when he lies under the piano and asks her to lift her skirt, and it is sort of, you know, there is this forcefulness to it. There's this sort of, there's this, it's very uncomfortable. And then he starts You wonder like, how could they pee in these things? Well, yeah, I, I do wonder. Uh-huh. But, um, and he starts fingering. I'm sorry that I used my finger in like this conversation. And Ben, turn that up on mic. <laughs> um, the he fingers. starts fingering this hole in her stockings and it is so erotic and you sort of can tell she's not resisting it but there's this but obviously she doesn't say anything because she doesn't speak sure so it's this whole sort of this dynamic that is very hard to untangle and you're and you're sort of befuddled at it but also it's as i said it's very erotic it's like it it it, it, you understand how she is sort of being turned on by this thing. Yep. And she doesn't go and like as it progresses, there's something about her that's resistant, but she's also not going unwillingly. Well, it, what I find fascinating is uh, uh, thinking about two great, I will say great capital G, great movies that we have covered on this podcast in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, happy Feet and Happy Feet too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> movies that are also about the power dynamics of sex. Right. Happy uh, feet and happy feet. You have to sing right. your heart song. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll no. trade you piano keys for heart songs. <laughs> um, the, uh, no, uh, uh, Lust Caution and L are two movies I was thinking about that also have like these very complicated sexual power dynamics yeah. where you're like, is this manipulative? Is this, has it crossed where, over? Where, where is it fantasy right. being indulged and where is it actual right. domination? Ha, have, yes. Has it yeah, actually yeah, become yeah. love right, or right, is it right, sort right, of like right. a Stockholm Syndrome kind of thing or whatever it is, right? And Elle is a movie where like she kind of cannot figure out. Right. She's into it and instigating it, but also like. She's like. The unpredictability. This is like the loss of power yeah. is part of what. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, spoiler, yeah. he does truly turn out to be an awful villainous person who gets his comeuppance, right? Sure. Uh, and then oh, less, it's France, you know, everything's different. Right, right. <laughs> less caution. It, it's sort of tragic for her, but it's it, a whole thing in that movie where it's like, this is a relationship, a transactional relationship. There's something she's trying to gain from these sexual trysts, mm-hmm. but at some point the emotions get tied up in the thing. And is she actually in love with him? Is it just because of the amount of time they spent together? You know, whatever it is. This is a movie where you kind of expect that's what this dynamic is going to be. It is not the movie where you expect they actually end up together at the end it's and it's kind of ending. a happy ending. You're not like, that's what's crazy it's about weird, it. It is it's a twisted. happy ending. You're like, good. I mean, it's not good. a fully happy the, ending because no, she keeps coming because the last line of the movie is her reflecting on the watery grave that she could have had if her right. will had not like brought her up. Which was Campion's original plan. Her original yeah. script. Right. Was, Take her down. Right. And then Campion was like, no, I think she should like, but it's also, like but it, say, it does end up very romantic. Like it yeah. makes this turn where she realizes that this is what she wants. And it doesn't feel like it's just wires getting okay, crossed. But can we also talk about the fact that like their first full sex scene is almost entirely filmed from the perspective of Sam Neill, like yep. spying. spying under the floorboards. Under the floorboards. Pointing at Ben. Big He's time peeping. peeping. 
He is peeping under the floorboards. Um, yes. Well, He's but, in a ditch. But like this, the, peeping. <laughs> you know, the whole mystery of her character, right? Is like she doesn't even know why she doesn't talk. Starts right? out on the porch. She yes. had a relationship with That's a, a real piano. Porch classic. With a piano teacher. <laughs> like a Shut up. <laughs> um, right, like who? There, like, there's this, there's this intimation that the relationship with the piano teacher that she had mm-hmm. is was how. Well, for, it's probably how Anna Paquin came. Well, around. she talks about she, Anna Paquin says, "Tell me the story of my father," and right. she there's the weird cartoon and all that. Yeah. but um, but uh, but like like the, the, that was a, a someone maybe getting close to cracking the mystery of this person, mm. and then whatever giving up or fleeing or right like you know it not working out. So that's part of what's going on at the end there, right? Like at least this he he like that's the tension that you're like he has to be aggressive or coercive in a strange sort of way to like start chipping away at her shell. Sure. What, 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 what? Well, he's nonverbal. Like, I think that's the, right. yeah. he, he Much can like express her. himself right. like her. Non-verbally. He can't read as he says, like yeah. that's not his thing. Yeah. He reacts to her playing them. Yeah. That's not my thing. I think he says it's not my bag, baby. <laughs> uh, he reacts <laughs> to her playing the music because that is a sort of a nonverbal way of yeah. like, she's expressing herself. And yeah. like, he obviously Sam Neill, obviously a learned guy or whatever right. he has no concept like he he's watching her play the piano he's like how am i gonna get this fucking piano up a hill like right. he's not like oh she seems like different when she's doing this you know no, what i mean, I mean like, he literally thinks he that. literally thinks she there's that moment where he asks um i should find this character's name um his sort of like companion the not nessie because nessie is genevieve lemon but the other woman um who he she, he asks her she before they get the piano up she, mm. they make the piano off the table and she's, right and flora is singing scales and singing a song where right, and he's like where and he, she's like this is a red flag yeah well, she's he's playing like, a table yeah she's playing a table like is she like like is she not like mentally and I love like their follow-up question is well was any sound coming out of it and he's like no no sound she's straight up just playing a table they're like it wasn't a musical table they do ask that follow-up question. Yeah. They're like, but clearly there must have been some sort of organ component to the table. And it's like, and he he's just like, the only way he can, the only way he can sort of understand the, the idea of this woman is that like, she must just like be fucked up. Like, you right. know. Like, but he doesn't want to try which, like, and understand. Yeah. Of course, slightly she, fucked up. Yeah, I but mean, he thinks. But he thinks she must be sort of mentally disabled. Because she's slow. I think like, yes. yeah. right. I, I, I mean, it's one of the things that is interesting and savvy about casting Holly Hunter and that firecracker, uh, spark plug uh, element that we talked about makes her an unconventional choice for this role. Is that like so much of the dynamic is mute woman? He's like, yeah, I'm fine with that. Kid, I'm fine with that. And the subtext seems to be. Yeah, she'll be like subservient. She'll be like right. grateful. Don't this worry. is like an unwanted woman. She'll run my house. She's like damaged right. goods. And it's like that's that's you're, he's in New Zealand and right. pioneer type. Like, and then he, they're you like, know, who else she are you might get to be come dumb, and he's like not a total turnoff. <laughs> the turnoff for him is that she seems to have her own agency. This yeah. anger. she wants the fucking piano. Right. That's and, where he's I like. Mean, but that and he's like, you should be totally fucking and it indebted also is to me. Where right. the Holly Hunter birth like persona starts to come right. out is that even though she's not speaking there's something yeah she's angrily there's writing the her H.I. McDonough like, thing where it's like yeah. I'm gonna fucking I got, we gotta kidnap a baby yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's obviously also you know she said this movie is very inspired by Bronte by Wuthering Heights in yeah. particular you know and, and, and the sort of bluebeard 
Right. Well, well right. that is in literally in yeah, right. the movie. Um, but like Baines is a sort of Heathcliffy, you know, he's the mm. the the wild, you yeah, know. Yeah, he's the but. wild man of the Moors, but not the Moors, whatever they have in New Zealand. It's, mm-hmm. I think it's like the jungle, like almost. Like it's like a rainforest almost. Like it's it's crazy the the like um environment because it's it's so damp. It's muddy. Yeah, mm. uh, it's very cool. Yeah, we haven't had many uh, opportunities to talk sort of uh, swampy terrain mm. on this show. I'm curious where you stand on it. I think uh, in the particular kind of clothes they're wearing, mm. it uh, makes it so absurd. Just that people would carry on it is crazy. living like they were back in we owing we old England. No, no, it's true. And it's you're like, like me, in a rainforest, right? Like, let me you're, tromp in there. Wear hoop this skirt. absurd yeah. dress, right? The the like the mud is like knee high. Well, there's that amazing shot too of them trying to walk around, and she grabs like another piece of wood to sort of like throw out on the mud, and for her and Flora, and they like try to walk, and then they just walk out of the piece of wood and just like sink. Yes. It's not, they don't belong. No. And they're trying to civilize the land in this way that is like completely perverse. And I think and the that's Sam Neill's character. Kind of, kind of, they're kind of like, what are you fucking guys what doing? What are you guys yeah. doing? Yeah. Like, yeah. This it's, is insane. What is yeah. this shit? And yeah. like, yes, that's why, pro- you know, this movie is not really about like the rape of a country that, like, yeah. you know, that England carried out. Right. There are other movies that are, you know, explicitly. Yeah, about a Jennifer that. Kent's movie. Um, the, uh, oh, the Night no, Night which I That was a good yeah. movie recently. That's true. I mean, not Australia, not. New Zealand, but very similar. But New Zealand is very specific. Not for the faint of heart, but it's one of those things where it's like, if you're going to make the movie that's about that, that movie is as unpleasant to watch as The Nightingale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If Jane Campion, I'm not excusing it, but if Jane Campion was addressing all of that more explicitly in this film, it would overpower everything else she's trying to say. Because Nightingale is a movie that is totally consumed by the sort of horrific... Yes. uh, Yeah, anyway. Um, But uh, it's... um, yeah, it's right. Just the and that's why Sam Neill's character is pathetic in, like, in many ways, right? Like, it's like what he's right. trying to do. He's like trying to make a mark on the land in a way that just feels like pointless. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then there's that whole there is that argument about the land, and they're like, he's like, why do they, why do they want it? Like, what who like what do they want with this land? Mm-hmm. Like, what is it even like? What even gives them claim to it? Right. Um, I love that moment too where Kaitel offers the land and he's like, but it's like some swampy shit, right? What yeah. you, it's like Mars shit. What are we yeah. talking here? I mean, it's, but like this all testifies to like Sam Neill's in a, in impotence. Yeah. Mm. You know, right? And then, you know, she's off with fucking Baines. And, and he, you know, he also kind of lacks status yeah. that he ended up there. Right. And now has found himself having kind of a little bit of money, but still he is so weak and impish. Does that make sense as a read? You know, like because there's the whole colonial sort of era to this movie, and then you know her character too. And we've sort of touched on this, but it's just like she has so much power, and yet lives in a time where women don't really have any power. No, but but she is, which adds to the confusion of the piano is ultimately what she wants. But then, but then Kaitel and her relationship and. That whole dynamic, I mean, it's so nuanced. One thing I want to, um, this is from the dossier. Um, we talked about in the Angel at my table episode how that, that's such a colorful movie, right? And she wants mm-hmm. to emphasize how like bright and green New Zealand is. Right. And right? Sweetie looks like Babe Pig in the City. Right. 
but this movie it's very dark because she was like back then you know before essentially the like arriving uh, english settlers like burned the trees down because new zealand was this like bush that was dark because it was so much forest that like there was no light penetrating so she wanted this movie to be much more claustrophobic like like, like mm. when when you're in uh, you know, off the beach, right? Anywhere really but dark, right? Yeah. yeah, it's like you know, you, you can't fucking. It's so inhospitable to what, as you say, like to what they're doing. It's not inhospitable to people, but it's inhospitable it's to people psycho. in nice dresses. He, he also, takes his top hat off and combs his hair, <laughs> right. and puts his dumb hat back. He's on obsessed over with it. the ha- the hair right. coming. So when they're like, the finally, you've point? dropped that shit. You're wasting that time with the the fucking dapper Dan. Yeah. Um, it, it is. I mean, it look. There are larger things. The the cruelty is is more the point, but it does sort of underline the absurdity of colonization where it's like, why are you trying to change this land and these people to fit into your nor- – who gives a shit? Why right. – what are you – why are you insisting they adapt to you? Anyway, um, I, I hate that I'm going to say this. Oh, my God. What a horrible way to start a sentence. Especially <laughs> on a Jane Campion episode Marcus of all things. so you can cut it. But but I the thought entered my head and I now just need to verbalize it. I hate Harvey Keitel would have been a good Wolverine. Oh, uh, I was just thinking about his pistol. little squat body. Yeah, yeah. Well, right? Can we talk about the sex scenes? Yeah, yeah. They're duh. hot. They're so hot. They're hot. They're so hot. She wow. directs incredibly hot sex scenes Holy because they shit. are about two people fucking, but not also, one person but fucking, fucking another person. Awkward. They're fucking yeah. awkward. Like, yeah. She captures these so moments real. that usually are not caught in sex scenes. And you it's know, voyeuristic. Ky- Kaitel yeah. 5'7". He's Wolverine-sized. Just FYI. I mean, th- and that dick is, is probably 7.5? P- no. I don't know. This is little claw. <laughs> I don't This is a... I think... I think a thing that she captures in sex scenes that you rarely see because sex scenes are usually so choreographed in movies and so yes. deliberately shot in terms of the angles. You're not seeing full bodies in that kind of way, you know, is like she captures the weird uh, silent negotiation of positions, mm-hmm. you know, right. like she captures yeah. those moments like after There's sex or moment. how you transition into having sex or when you change positions that no one puts in movies. There's this moment when. Please, Esther. Do it. Just do it. Go off. He grabs her butt in a way. This is too hot for blank check. Take it out. Absolutely. Cut it out, Ben. No, no, no. He grabs also, Esther's banned from the show. We're removing her previous episodes. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I meant. It's just like it is in their first big sex scene, not yeah. when they're like, you know, not when they're just sort of sharing the bed, but like the way he sort of moves her, they, they, he moves her in such a way where you could sort of you see the flesh of her butt sort of move under his hand These in a way that is very see. tactile and very sexy and, and natural. Just like, yeah, I mean, I don't know how else to write like rather than what you're saying, which obviously like shooting a sex scene is very complicated. I'm not saying that like everyone's fucking up, you know, like it's hard, a lot like of them are you know, like up. yeah. Their actors will be like, look, I want to do this and not this. You have to yeah. choreograph it that way, right? You know, yeah. like, I will only do X, Y, you know, and that's fine. Of course. But, but Holly Hunter is very much like, who gives a shit? We have five yes. senses, baby. Like, that was her quote. It's really good. I'll find five it. Five senses, baby. I mean, here's here's another thing I'll say. I'm, I'm going to go off here. 
Sure. Another thing that is captured in this movie that I also feel like is captured in some of her other sex scenes I've seen is like, and it's sort of to your point what you're talking about with with the butt, Esther. Yeah. But the way like your body changes as you move. Mm-hmm. Right. I feel like so often sex scenes, when you see nudity in films, your sense of what someone's body parts look like are very much based on the composition of that frame. And like the first time they lie naked together... It's such like a long, unbroken shot where you're like, oh, right, the physics of her body change depending on her positioning and the speed at which she's moving. Yeah. Which is stuff that like sort of unconsciously registers in your brain of like, oh, I'm watching two actual people having some sexual encounter rather than the sort of like choreographed, stylized, skinamax style representation of Yeah, I mean, it's like she's obviously not filming actual sex, but there's a way that like even when... Do it, do it, do it. Even when he's sort of like... He's sort of about to put it in. Sure, he's she's not filming actual sex, but you see the awkward movement. Right. This is the thing. I mean, of, yes. like of how that works. But that's and her obsession. Not, she's like, like yeah. it's people Dude. being naked is so awkward. People pooping it's, and peeing is so awkward. I, and she, but I mean, not only that, she both celebrates it and finds it funny, which is why Jane Campion is good at it, and other people are maybe not like or whatever or would not broach those topics. But yes, obviously, when you're a teenager and you have not had sex yet, and you watch a sex scene, you're like, yeah, but what? How, you know, like there, there's sort of specific specific physics yeah. that you don't quite understand. They're just not, and they are captured. awkward and not cinematic. Yes, like or whatever. Correct. You know, like they are not traditionally cinematic. Things, you know. I mean, it's my fa- my favorite sex scene of all time mm-hmm. remains Margaret, the Kieran Culkin the scene. Kieran Culkin oh, scene. That scene is right. very where it's very just visceral. like that's like oh, the God. first time yeah. I've seen a movie captured I that. Know. Yeah, and it's specifically like Lost Virginia Teenagers, all that sort of well, stuff. But right, it's like right, the right. weird negotiating of like, what do you want to do next? That makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, we put a pin in Virgins. No, 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 no time. She got it. She got it. I already brought it. I probably brought it. Yeah, brought it up. Yeah, it's we can, whether or not Sam Neill's character is, is he oh, a virgin. Right, right, right. We, we can so uh, unpin our virgin sacrifice virgin. from the wall. I've never signed a nudie clause in my life. And whenever I've done nudity, I felt it was right. I mean, we've got was five senses. Holly Hunter? I yes. thought this was David speaking. Yeah, yeah. At first I was like, I have never have signed never a nudie. I, I thought he was like, clause? I've never signed a nudie clause in my life, but I would imagine the actors on this film. Weirdly, Weirdly, Griffin gave me that contract when we started the show. I do it every episode. Just demanded I was like, all right. I just, I just, love this quote from her though whenever i've done nudity i felt it was right i mean we've got five senses and sex employs all of them mm. so if you're expressing something about what it means to be alive in the world how can you subtract sex from that that's just holly hunter talking off the cuff that's hunter talking yeah fuck that's what i'm saying because she's been naked in plenty of like she clearly is just sort of like what yeah incredibles too all right um Wait, I was going to... What was I going to say? That's on him. Don't uck me. Uck him. Okay. I want to say something. This has nothing to do with sex. Um, But I do... This is in the dossier, and it is fascinating. This film was entirely financed by a French company called CB2000. Oh, right. It's a weird company name when it shows up. Like... like And it has an odd title where it's like... I, I don't know. I'm sorry. Sure. No, but I mean, like, yeah. it's just like she she gets the money. Nine million dollars is the budget of this movie. Yeah. Like, it's not nothing for no. 1993. No. And like, I guess partly just that she's such a can darling and partly whatever, mm-hmm. the you know, like she gets the money. But can, this. Oh, can. but she hasn't had a commercial break. <laughs> it's like, what? Can darling? G-dog, um, huh? Con. 
Um, Con. Con. But uh, it was like a rival to Studio Canal, which is obviously like uh, they the won. French dominance. Sure. But in the 90s, mm-hmm. it, it only exists for eight years. Yeah. They found it. They funded The Piano, Underground, mm-hmm. Taste of Cherry, and Secrets and Lies. Wow. So four Palm Door winners. Yeah. Twin Peaks Firewalk with me, uh-huh. Lost Highway and the Straight Story they worked on. Two Almodovar movies. They did The Glass Shield, the Charles Burnett sure. movie. Two Best Picture nominees. They did Kansas City, the Altman movie. Like That's this a was like it's moment. one of those yeah. weird little booms that no one would remember unless you dug into yeah. it. Where it's like, who, where was the money coming? Because that's yeah. the thing with the piano. Like it was released in America by Miramax. I'm pretty sure. Yes, mm-hmm. but like, you know. Like, who the fuck was putting up the money for this? Like, it's just yeah. sort of like for everything we've been talking about. Weird, weird, yeah. like non-pitch, explicit nudity, Kaitel yeah. dick. You know, like this is just like, you know, like this weird little boomlet in the 90s. Correct of, like, me if art I'm wrong, film. but this is really the first time that like Campion sort of makes a mark on like a mainstream Absolutely. level. Oh, like, obviously, it's not she's like, a cult. It's filmmaker. not like, yeah. she's, a, she's, a, she's a local it's hero like, and a film Festival right. phenomenon. Um, film festival. Like, her movies are film. not no permeating the Would have no. known who she you was know, in no. the greater I'll say, Hollywood. We had sphere. Dana Stevens on for Angel yeah. on My Table, and she said, "Like I absolutely saw that and piano in theaters." But Dana, because, I think, was an exceptionally hip, attuned yeah, that's person. What I'm like that's who's going. Like people who in yeah. you know big cities are going to the art house theater right. to see the new film. You know, but like yeah, absolutely. She would have been like fucking drive my car guy. This but, is out of know, nowhere. Right. The piano and. Uh, and it is just, you know, for the fans, her guarantor yeah. for a blank check career in Hollywood that is very challenging. Here's she another, makes very challenging Hollywood movies yeah, for Here's a while. another thing about that movie being an odd pitch at this budget, right? Holly Hunter's career at this point, we're talking about how out of like line this is with what she had established at that point in her career. The other thing is post-broadcast news, which is obviously a hit, Spielberg's like, she's the lead of my next film. Yeah. I think everyone thought she was going to be this like blockbuster sort of like adult romantic comedy drama actress and her run of movies in between broadcast news and this are not big hits. Right. So it's not like she was like a fallen star, No, but she also isn't coming into She's this as like A-list. Holly Hunter's money in the bank. Anything no. she wants to make. Kytel Unlike, is probably, yeah, more of a yeah, name. Right. And Sam Neill has not had no, his breakout. Not, no. Right. I mean, he, well, he was Damien. Sure. But like Sigourney, you could imagine getting this movie yeah. made. If she yeah. wanted to do this, $9 million are set. You're good. You're off. Definitely. No problem. It's, it's, this movie coming together is odd. It connecting this hard is odd. The fact that it broke out of sort of like, well, and that's art the thing. Like, circles. can you imagine? I think we were talking about this, David. Like, can you imagine people in 93 and like, obviously we can. We could probably talk to some right now if we called them up, but like, go going to think that they're seeing this sort of stayed period piece sure, and then there's sure. fucking butt play well this is the thing and we do like <laughs> merchant ivory movies language well, anyway but yeah no but right because like this is a, a, a boom time yes. for the merchant ivory type movie right. the howard's right. ends the remains of the days and that's absolutely a money maker yes. but those movies are not you know tit heavy or dick heavy they're not dick heavy yeah uh maurice Maurice, ha- yeah. you see dicks in Maurice, yeah. yeah. See Dixon. I was yeah. going to say, you know, shout out to Maurice. Yeah, like um, what's his Ivory name? Oh my God. Um, who was in uh, Sherlock later? And he's that. He's you know, so R- cute. Rupert Wyatt. Isn't that his name? 
No, wait. No, I, that's no, not Rupert Sorry, Wyatt. I'm Rupert Graves, sorry. Yes. Yeah, I'm pretty Rupert. sure you There's seen... a lot of Ruperts. Rupert Wyatt's the director. Yeah, I know. There's a lot of Ruperts. Does like, he you know, show Rupert... dick, Rupert Wyatt? Yeah. Oh, you sure you've seen I'm pretty sure you see Rupert Graves' dick in Maurice. Yeah, I think you do. Um, But not not Hugh. Not Hugh. He knew. He knew he was destined for fame. What, Ben? Well, we're at... Two and a half. No, but we're over two hours. Yeah, I know. So go ahead. And I... No, that was it. <laughs> I just want to say the poster for this film, right? <laughs> the classic poster that we know, I feel like, is sort of the the stark image of the right. piano on the beach. Which feels like a poster if you're making your like fucking Rochelle Rochelle parody of art house movie and a comedy, it would be like this poster, right? But then there is also this poster. Sure. Yeah. That is, I feel like a fairly was also used, which That's is the just one like I'm more also familiar. Makes it look with. so much happier. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's funny like, that they're trying yeah. to sell it on like Holly and Harvey. Po- like to describe know? this poster, it's she's like, like smiling and he's kissing. Her. That's the she's smiling. Thing, he's kissing her. It's got a you know winner best film Cannes Film Festival over it. Harvey was the fucking looks like fucking chocolate. Basically, Harvey was the king of this. Yeah. whatever difficult fucking movie he's gonna he squeeze had, it. He somehow made it look like a gentle romance or a comedy he takes the play-doh he's gonna push it through the the star well, shape there's, there's like the famous my left foot poster where it's daniel day lewis's like headshot and he's got long hair looking like a fucking snack smiling yeah yeah yeah. you know like clean shaven look at like look how different yes. is this yeah. poster honestly this i'm thing, showing the like, circle up harvey would i mean make- this poster is Heavier on chocolate, obviously. Sure. Harvey would have said, Chocolat, he must have been so relieved where he's like, finally, the poster's there. I can just, it actually is representing the way I try to make these movies seem to be. Right. Should we wrap up the plot? Yes. I think we kind of are more <laughs> or less. Did we talk about the plot? Well, I don't know. You know, I mean, I think we talked about Keys. sex scenes. The keys, uh, yeah. We talked about butt play. So okay. maybe this, around there. This movie is two hours long. It go it goes by really fast. A I don't know if you so guys fast. felt that way. I like, also feel like if this movie is made today, when I when I queued it up, I was like, is this movie like 245 and I'm no, forgetting? No, it's two hours. And like, it's like clean in and out. Yeah. Not only is it two hours, though, like I seriously, there was some moment where I checked the running time and I was like, wait, I'm almost done? Like yeah. this has just been moving. No, Which yeah. is weird because there isn't a lot of plot, really. No. Yeah. Like it's, and there aren't a lot of locations. There's not a lot of movement. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so it is funny that it's so gripping and fast in a way. Yeah. Um, sorry, go ahead, Esther. What were you going to say? I wasn't going to say anything. Fine. Well, you know what? I guess I'll go fuck myself. No, uh, I don't. Uh, no, no. I'm trying to think of like plot stuff we haven't. We haven't. Co- we tr- well, we sort of haven't covered like Flora. The, well, we haven't covered really like the climax. Sort of right. the like he basically what happens is like they start this affair. Sam Neil finds Sam Neil. It's initially Just a coercive like, affair that immediately kind of becomes a romance. A romance. Them, an Samuel illicit romance. sees this, like, yes. is hiding under the... Sees it, tries to sort of put a, like... Pac-Man sees it, too. What? Pac-Man sees, Pac-Man it, too. sees it, too. Everyone's yeah. watching. It's Everyone like the, sees it. There's not a lot going on. Town. What else are you going to fucking it's do? the hottest... T- people are lining up outside the tickets booth trying to watch the fucking... Eventually tries to Pac-Man. literally lock her in his house. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, And she... There is this moment where she sort of considers like which leads to the butt play she sort of considers this man and could she, i have this intimate relationship she, with him? she doesn't let him touch her but she touches him and she moves her hand around in his hand and 
it's he's not reciprocating it at all. He's so tense. He's so upset. And he's repressed, I think. And he's already attacked her at this point of where you're describing. He's already he's already sort of attacked her. He has not yet chopped but he her has finger not off, yet chopped right. her finger off. Right. What right, happens right. is like he well, she sexually sent, like attacks yes, her. Yes, he he yeah. he attacks her in the sort of woods like he grabs her. Does have dare I say it the kind of incel energy where it's like why don't you like me? Right. Well, he sort of well, and I think what am that I attack doing in the here? woods right. is right. sort of like well, you're into Baines, who's this right. like sort of macho man. Like, why aren't you into sort of my like display of machismo? There's this sort of like I'm doing everything right. Yeah. Why do you like him and not me? And then she takes one of the keys off. She writes a note to Baines. She tells Flora to go. Give the key, give the key to Baines, even though so romantic. Yeah. Oh, even though Baines right? can't read. Come on, is that one of the it's more so romantic, romantic so, like, gestures you, you do in think a movie? About it, that Baines can't read, so like he just is to infer that this is a what beautiful. Fucking right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Maybe he can read a little bit. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. She wrote him a pretty simple note on the. She should have done like a George can have my heart. Aiden yeah. McGrath. But she should have done like a a, a pictogram of just like a, a a penis and vagina and a heart in yeah. between or something. Right. Flora wants to refuse to go because Flora is also sort of like adopted. Because I think with Flora, she finds this like she finds this element of power in being able to tattle on her mom and this relationship to it. Right. And she's been like chained to her mother in this weird way. Like it's a very damaging relationship in a lot of ways, even though they're also kind of symbiotic and so she and she brings the key straight to Sam Neill, who then chops her finger off chops her finger off I think initially Campion it was going to be even maybe he was going to he was going to like mutilate her more in some like I I don't know there was like that was going to be a very intense sequence and they settled on the finger well I mean and also and the splatter of blood on Paquin right and there's like an Evil Dead 2 style shot of just like the the, 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 you know poetic you know all she wants is to play the piano like the loss of right like you know he's he's he knows how to do the damage in the way like yeah yeah it's Um, tough and Neil is scary in that scene yeah like that switch flips and he goes really goes goes I mean look Neil is great at being scary it is all the more surprising that he was chosen for Jurassic Park and that he works so well well in that movie he's scary at the beginning of Jurassic Park sure Threatening children sure. with yeah. velociraptor claws. <laughs> like, yes, the fact that he's able to warm up that much yeah. is, is surprising. Um, because he he hadn't really shown that in his career up until that point in time. Um, uh, we we haven't touched on the uh, sort of supernatural element of this movie, which is sort of for much of the film played as sort of just like Anna Paquin's childlike interpretation of certain things. Mm. There's the story where you have that one weird shot of animation yeah. about uh the the lightning striking. Yeah, and, I love that. Uh, right, that being the cause of the meanness. But there's a thing also where uh, Sam Neill goes kind of mental, uh, believing he's heard her voice in, in his, his head. head. And he well, goes and to Kaitel, what... and Kaitel thinks he's trying to start shit. And he's like, no, I just genuinely need to know. Does she whisper to you? Because I heard her voice, and I looked at her lips, and they weren't moving. I don't know what the fuck is going on. But I, I love that. because it... and then, But that's also the key to Sam Neill just being like, just get out this of here. Isn't... Just, right, right. just yeah. This is like, just... Both he's, of you get out. He's of so obsessed with her mutinous and and with her not wanting, you know, like her force fields, like mm-hmm. her not wanting yeah. him in any way. And that of, yes, he's going to start just hearing her, sure, like or whatever. Like that's how I've always interpreted. But it, it is yeah. also this moment of like he has, have you ever heard her? And Aunt Baines lies to him because he she does whisper to him. 
him in bed. She whispers something to him of in course. bed. And then he says, I heard her. She didn't speak. And it was like, and it was about her will. And it's about, I was afraid she's, what my will would be. She's crossing lead. some sort of yeah. psychic barrier because she which, needs to which, And you do sort of, by the end narration about will, you are sort of led to believe something got through to him. You know, but am I misremembering that there's a thing about a, a, another person having heard her voice at some point? Uh, that actually, well, it's a piano teacher, right? Right. Thought that he could like sort of right. hear her in his head as well, right? You're also thinking about the fact that like, you know, uh, Baines keeps remembering like being in this water tank and having adamantium injected into him. <laughs> and this guy is like, "Don't worry, Logan. You're gonna be just fine. I'm a southerner." I'm like, who's our current Harvey Keitel? Like, that's how you solve for current day Wolverine. Um, or just cast old man Keitel. Yeah, just do it. Just do <laughs> it. I was like, we're going in a different direction. We know Hugh Jackman owned this role for 20 plus years, but don't worry. We've got a great successor. It's Harvey Keitel. 70 something Harvey Keitel. He had one contractual stipulation. I'm sorry, he's he has 82 years yeah, old. He's old. He's not young. He's old. Had to show dick. Mm. He's like, He's demanded that he shows this. One more thing about the piano, too, and the fantasy element is this. Oh, you sort don't want to stick on this, Jack? Okay. You yeah, don't want sorry, to talk about no, no, you mean the physical piano, the actual. No, 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 no. Oh, I wasn't okay, talking sorry. about the physical. I was talking about the movie. The, the piano. Okay. The piano. Okay. The, yeah. the, the, the yeah. piano. Because Phil Burbank does call it the piano in The Power of the Dog. Yeah, the piano. Um, he is that some of that fantasy, too, what you were talking about earlier is Flora's. Like Flora has invent invents all these stories. Right, Flora right. also creates the sort of mystery around her mom. She mm -hmm. invents stories about who her father was, about yeah. how her mom went mute. Her way of she mystifies her mother to the public almost more than her mother does. Right. It's not real sign language either, really. No, no, it's no, it's some kind of hybrid. Well, because or... they're right. There's no way they ever learned like you know. Like, yeah, I mean, it was not invented, but, it does, right. but yeah. like, right, they just have their own means yeah. of communicating. But I think yes. she's elaborating a lot. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, like, definitely. she'll only do a couple of movements and then it's like this whole thing. Yeah. Um, it is, but that is like so out of like a Victorian novel that 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 weird dynamic. It's so good. But we have yeah, to talk about like moment. the like briefly talk about the we have to talk about what the very end, just oh, the, of course. the the. The, not the very end, actually. The the, the, the piano, the overboard. The, yeah. Yeah. yeah, this is the thing when you read the piano. The piano. That like, the, I mean, look, well, Jane Campion is quick, a, quick, 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 quick. When she is sitting in the mud in the rain after losing a finger, mm -hmm. I I was like devastated. Yes, it's, she it's is very, like very it powerful. is so. It's such a powerful moment with an actor man I, I love when things cut through to ben this much when you can see like well, I mean, this oh, there's is, a look in ben's eye right now of, of just kind of how how hard this hit him this was. is like one yeah. of the great works like you yeah. know this movie um ben, oh no i oh yeah ben possibly yes oh, I'm ben one of the great works but like, works it, it, up there with the i piano. think campion probably sells herself short or has a sort of de self-deprecating way of talking about this sometimes because like obviously she had this movie in her sure. head in some way for so long but yeah. then when you ask her about the ending she's like yeah we didn't really know what we were gonna to do yeah. and then i think it was uh let me wait jan chapman the producer who's sort mm -hmm. of like she still works with her right jan, didn't you meet jan chapman or no i, I met um tanya right that's i guess that's who but jan chapman who did the piano who produced this movie was the one who suggested like well what if the piano goes overboard and takes her with it like that was apparently something they got to fairly late that 
obvious sort of poetic like that she's still like tied to this you know object that is going to kill her and then her will triumphs like you said esther yes Mm -hmm. um um but their original plan was to have her die like have her you know at this low moment you know very very romance novel again be claimed by the sea you know i think it would have just felt punishing yeah no, right? definitely yeah, it, no, it's, it's not right it call. doesn't feel like they like like they went with a happy ending of uplift i think it would have no. felt artificially the last thing she wrote oppressive like performatively dark to just have her die on top of everything else. because it's also because it is about like there's her dialogue about choosing to live and right. her will is it's not uplifting. It's this moment like in that moment, I chose it. Yeah. In right, another right. moment, it, it so leaves the opportunity that like in another moment, maybe she wouldn't have chosen it. But like, she, she has agency. She, yeah, yeah, but uh, she's right. Robbed that could have been an escape for yeah. most of the right. time. Right, and yeah. the fact that she, you know, she is constantly brought back to that moment. She talks about that is the true last line of the movie is she can't get over this image of not just her piano at the bottom of the seat, but her... But her body floating over the piano, and it's Griffin Griff's is showing a pick of Anna, a little pick of Anna doing like the red carpet uh, turn and repeat, small repeat, whatever. After backstage, after you win it, but the look on her face is still like just like Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> yeah. They gave me an Oscar. Um, sorry, I just pulled that up while I was checking a thing. Uh, well, wait, Esther, did you finish your point? Sorry, I okay. believe I did. Okay, good. Um, I, I just, I think, I mean, look, we could bring this up in other episodes, but I want to say it now while I'm, uh, that's nice. Yeah. The three, the three amigos. It's so wild that in the year of total Schindler dominance, yeah. like that, that was obviously yeah. the big narrative of that year. Spielberg finally wins his Oscar. These three like amazing women also win for this like, incredibly esoteric movie. The year that Tom Hanks becomes elected Tom Hanks president of Hollywood. And fucking Jurassic Park has, right. you know, de- has become number one movie and it's of all, all time. it wins all right. the technical yeah, shit. You know, like yeah. that's such a seismic year at the Academy Awards where you're like, this is minting the Miramax like yeah, yeah, dominance yeah. of the 90s. It's the final like victory lap for Spielberg. Yeah. It's it's the anointment of Hanks. It's wild. It's wild. You have someone uh, almost break the record for youngest winner ever. Uh, I, a person I just want to shout out uh, quickly. Uh, we could shout her out in later episodes, but I'm thinking of it now and I don't want to just pin it for later and then forget about it. Uh, Janet Peterson, who functioned as both costume designer and uh, production designer. A I, lot know, of I almost am, I in my head is said the great Janet Peterson. <laughs> Janet Patterson. I'm Patterson. sorry. Patterson. <laughs> no, I'm Patterson. I said it wrong. I said it wrong. Um, but she was a production designer on Two Friends, Portrait of a Lady, Holy Smoke, Bright Star, yep. and costume designer on Two Friends, Piano, Portrait of a Lady, yep. Holy Smoke, Bright Star. Yep. Uh, she also did costumes on Far From the Madden Crowd, uh, the sure. PJ Hogan, Peter Pan, Oscar and Lucinda, and uh, a couple other TV movies. Uh, she has very few credits overall. She died in 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had four Oscar nominations, yes. three of which were for Jane Campion movies. Yes. She rarely worked outside of Campion. And uh, her IMDb just says... Uh, uh, she's a specialist in period costumes in the 19th century. All four of her Oscar-nominated films are of that era. A noted recluse who rarely does interviews or attends award ceremonies between jobs. She returns to quiet home life from her family. I just think it's a fascinating career. 
She's yeah, absolutely. Uh, can we, you know, just if we're talking about crew though, can we also talk about how this was shot by the guy who fucking shot Black Hat? Yeah, Stuart Dryberg, <laughs> who has a very varied filmography, absolutely rules, but like wildly different looking films. Who fucking shot like Eon Flux and but also like Bridget Jones's Diary, and then of course we have to mention freaking Michael Nyman, who he like, made the music, he made the piano music. You know, like I, I remember when we talked to Dana, her, yeah. you know, she was like, I never liked the piano as much as I found the score so dominating. Which mm-hmm. you know, obviously the score is like the funniest thing about it is he, he was like best known as like the Peter Greenway guy. True. He'd worked on Peter Greenway and she comes to him being like I want you to write this music that's going to express her feelings right like mm-hmm. you know this is going to be so crucial to the emotion of the movie and I think you're perfect for it and then apparently there was a slight pause and she says I don't want any of that Greenway shit <laughs> so like it's because it's like you're hiring this guy but you to not do what he's famous sure. for it's so crazy and he's like and it changed my career because then I have this other career doing much more like Baroque sure. music and like people thought I had sold out in my like weird minimal music, you know, community. Yeah. Like, you know, they thought like, what, what's he doing? Anyway. Um, I don't know if I'd just been Dana pilled, but especially the first like 30 or 40 minutes of the movie, I was thinking like, oh, I kind of agree with her. The score is a little oppressive. Once she starts playing the piano again and a lot of the mov- music becomes more diegetic. It worked for me, but the first 30 or 40 minutes, it feels like they maybe go a little too hard. If dun, I can throw out dun, dun, one... Dun. Yeah, go ahead. Criticism I had of the movie. No, that's it. Can oh, I okay. just throw out some some disparate things that Dreisberg shot? Sure. Just like Whatever. how fucking weird his career is. Yeah. So he obviously, he does Angel at My Table. He does this. He does uh, Portrait of a Lady, right? He does uh, Lone Star in between. Uh, he shoots the pilot for Sex in the City. Dun, 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 dun. He establishes that look uh, that essentially uh, transforms the next 25 years of New York City, where New York's like, fuck, we got to look more like this show. Right. Every block has to look like Sex in the City now, right? Analyze this. Runaway Bride, Bridget Jones's Diary, Kate and Leopold. Post-Sex in the City, he just does the run of all this fu- fucking like romanticized city, uh, you know, stylish people. Aeon Flux, The Painted Veil, No Reservations, Nim's Island, Amelia. He does the Boardwalk Empire pilot, which is the like, oh, this is now what like prestige TV shows look like the scale. He does the pilot for Luck, probably the pilot with the most horse deaths yeah. on set, yeah. I think. Uh, Secret Life of Walter Mitty, then Black Hat, Alice Through the Looking Glass, The Great Wall, Gifted mm-hmm. the Only Living Boy in New York, The Upside, Ben is Back, Men in Black International. That's a fucking weird career. Yeah, he's a cool guy. I don't know what to tell you. I love him. Uh, we should uh, play, play the box office, office game, okay, but okay. we'll maybe do some final thoughts. <laughs> Let's play the box office game. Ben's being very responsible this episode. I am being responsible. You're a good okay. boy, Ben. Uh, hey, thanks. I don't, I love getting a good boy shout You out. are a good boy. You're one, the best boy. One little last moment I'd love to spotlight is uh, the play. Yeah. The Shadow Figures. Yes. Mm. It's so good. Yeah. Mm. Like where I was like, I would be... Entertained by this, right? Now they should put this up at St. Anne's warehouse. When they're rehearsing, tomorrow. seriously, the yeah. like axe thing, I kept being like, "Is he about to like chop his hand, chop her hands I off or something?" Too. Yeah, like, I kept being, which I guess also is part the, of the heads drama. through the 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 sheets with the blood. It's Real. inventive, like yeah. it really, it yeah. like it was, uh, it was God, so I mean, well done. Keep it entertaining, and it, right? and the, a really fucking funny moment is then when the Maori think it's real. Yeah, sure. And they intervene and they sh- like shut down the production. Right. Very funny. 
Oh, it's like, why would goodness. you fake this? Right. You lunatics? Right. Yeah. Um, box game. The box office game for this movie came out November 19th, 1993. Okay. It had obviously debuted at, de- debuted at Cannes, where it won the Palme d'Or. In uh-huh. a tie with Farewell, My Concubine. Right. Um, she becomes the first, she's the first woman. woman to win the Palme d'Or. Um, the second woman to win the Palme d'Or? The, the fucking Titan. Uh, You're, forgetting. You're forgetting. Who am I forgetting? That Leia Sudu and Adele. Oh, they were like technically part of the win? All three of them won. That was like the whole thing where Spielberg right. was like, so there are four women who have won the Palme d'Or, and it's two actresses, right. DeCarnau and Campion. Okay, Steve. Anyway, um, okay, I mean, Steve. in retrospect, Steve, he actually... Steve, you're crazy for this. In right? retrospect, he was kind of on the money, given how yes. those women talked about how that movie yeah. was made. But it, uh, it, Weirdly, time. giving them the trophies as well helps not taint that win. A very strange win, but very appropriate. I'm pretty sure that win is tainted. It is. It, it, I'm sorry. It helps taint it less. It makes it a little less tainted. It is. Right. It is I never loved that movie. No, I don't like that movie at all, but like... I do always like when a Palme d'Or winner is given by a jury president who could never make that movie, right? Like the classic. David, this is my take that I've thrown out to you. Like we've talked about Tim Burton giving it to Uncle Boon Me, where it's like, this is the kind of movie I could never make in Hollywood. I I think that's a thing where jury presidents usually give it to a movie where they're like, I don't know how you could make this. Um, The jury president in 1993 was Louis Malle. I can't really speak to whether or not Louis Malle could have made Farewell Mike. Well, he probably couldn't have made Farewell Mike Concubine. I don't think he could have made uh, The Piano either, no. but he's not as... Let's see who... Ooh, uh, Claudia Cardinale, beautiful. Judy Davis, Abbas Kiarostami, Emir Kusturica, uh, Claudia Cardinale, Oldman. beautiful. You're delivering. That was very odd. Gary Oldman. Gary, this is a fun... I just yeah. always like thinking about them, you know. Yeah. Oh, this having, was the jury. This is the jury this is the jury. Oh, of, of, yeah. the, uh, of the 1993 Cannes yeah. Film Festival. But also just uh, the names of the people I drink with. <laughs> My record. Um, <laughs> anyway. It opens on November 19th. Uh, number one, it's a sequel. It's one of the great comedies uh, in American cinema. The sequel is? It's called Adam's Family That's Values. Yes. It's a 10 out of 10 masterpiece right. that movie slaps. There's nothing wrong with it. So fu- There's nothing wrong I with it. I watched it on Christmas it. with my parents. It's, it's a perfect movie. Every single joke works. It's short. Yeah. Everyone has a complete character arc. It's a perfect piece of movie making. Perfect. Yeah. No notes. Uh, my take on it, I had uh, my most recent rewatch uh, during the uh, Panini was uh, it's the only live action movie I would say that captures the comedic spirit of a great Simpsons episode. Mm, very good. Agree with that. It definitely. Where has it has that. the joke density and the absurdity, yeah. but there still is some emotional grounding to it. And it's just like fucking like relentless without being exhausting. It's a fucking incredible movie. It's opening to $14 million, which I believe is disappointing. The Absolutely. film was a financial disappointment. Right. It makes less than half of what the first one did. Yeah, way less than half, I think. It made yeah. 46. It basically made one, what the piano made. Right, and the first one makes over 100. Yes. Yeah. It's wild how hard that movie flopped considering it is so much better than the first one. It, and not like different than the first one no, where people are like, what the fuck is this? It just fixes all the problems. Yeah, yeah like, right. Number two, the box office. What was Piano's final domestic total? I think it's 40. Made $40 million. It's wild that those two movies. Wow, okay. Yeah. Uh, piano made $40.1 million. Um is an adventure film mm. from the Walt Disney Corporation. Is it but, like an adventure 10,000 years in the making? No. Um, it's, a, it's a tale that's been filmed many times. Three I saw this in theaters. It's The Three Musketeers. Yeah. Yeah. 
Sheen. with Sheen Sutherland, Platt. O'Donnell, and Platt. Yeah. Such a weird. And Tim Curry as the mean old Cardinal Richelieu. Hey. And Rebecca De Mornay. Mm. Uh, I remember I saw that theater. I saw that in theaters when I was seven years old, and I was like, "This is probably the coolest movie I've ever seen." I have no memory of it. I just they had swords and shit. Sure. Have Are you they seen doing the like another weird probably. Three Musketeers now? They're I feel always like they doing announced it. they shouldn't. They Anytime shouldn't? they do, it's just the no. collection of no? people are such a good reflection of that exact moment in film. It is funny, you know how many yes, how many times uh, they've done it. Uh, I think, but they haven't done it since the Paul W. S. Anderson one. That uh, was the last. Right, it's been about ten years. So it is. I don't time. like formal sword fighting. Like no, that. it's too like I like you casual. like inf- casual, I like just casual like, sword fighting. When they're sort of like, but you don't bah. like like a sort of. You like a back alley. Yeah. I, I like, like the last duel. You've seen the last duel, right? No, that's where they're that's, Oh, Ben. See, I know. Ben. I'm so ready for it. Ben, that ben. it is, by the time they're fighting with swords, it is informal as shit. Yeah, Hell Ben, yeah. you need to make sure you see that before we do the Blankies episode. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you yeah. should check yeah, that That's one. like good high call. priority. No, good call. But, um, yeah. uh, but uh, I disagree with you. I love uh, formal sword Well, because David loves rules. Sure, I just love like fencing. It's, it's fun. David's favorite form Zorro, of fighting is sword is fencing because it's all fucking rule based combat. Number three at the box office is a crime drama that I really it was basically I don't know if it was a big hit, but it was a movie that did fine. Uh huh. It's like Carlito's way. It's Carlito's way. You know what I mean? Where it's like I'm on, it's, I'm I'm quick today. You are, and it's like. That movie, I guess it's right after Pacino's Oscar win. Mm-hmm. But it's a great Pacino performance, I think. It's big, but it's great. Harry de Cinema picks it as the best movie of the 90s in like a four-way tie. <sighs> Whatever. That was Frenchies. But, you I know, just saw that on the Wikipedia and I was like, really? I like went and sourced it with four other fucking articles. Well, they loved I was De Palma. Like, I know. It's just, that's a weird one to pick. Anyway, and it's like, yeah, it's a good, I don't know. All right, number four at the box office is a movie I'm going to have to look up because I rings a bell, but... I don't know. I'm searching if I imagined the announcement of a new. Okay, this is yeah. It's like a a super weepy starring your favorite actor. Me, Michael mm-hmm. Keaton. Mm-hmm. Is it my life? It's my life. Okay, I'm getting all of these. You are. I mean, I yeah. give you a good clue there, but still, yeah. You you pulled my life. I've never this? seen that one. No, it's awful. it's he's dying of cancer and he leaves like notes for his children. The that poster sucks. No, thank you. Nicole Kidman is in this. I will say, uh, uh, a movie I love, uh, Isabel Cosette's um, uh, "My Life Without Me." I, I know the movie. Yeah, that's interesting that you love it. Yes, very uh, controversial movie at the time. Really? Why? Ebert wrote a devastating review that destroyed it. Yeah, uh, where he was like. It is unfathomable that she's not telling her kids that she has cancer. I have cancer. This cannot. I'm morally disgusted. This cannot work. Wow. Like, and, yeah. he, and it was, that was a movie that had like festival buzz and that review killed it stone yeah. dead and, and no one wanted to talk about it after that. It was crazy. I, anyway, I, I, I've, I've never seen it. I've never seen I it. was uh, on vacation in a foreign country. It's Sarah Polly, right? Yeah. She has cancer and she's like preparing her. Like She's very yeah. young. She right. lives in a trailer with Scott Speedman and her two kids in the backyard of her mom's house who's Debbie Harry. Right. And she realizes she's dying of cancer. She doesn't tell her husband. She doesn't tell the kids. She doesn't tell the mom. And yep. she just sort of like bucket lists like I'm in my 20s. I never really had an adolescence because I got married so young and had these kids so young that I want to like do the life experiences. I want to make someone fall in love with me again for the first time. She has this romance with Mark Ruffalo. It's a film I really like. Uh, yes. And I think her uh, 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 immaturity is a big part of why she doesn't tell them. 
which is part of the whole thing. I was going to say, my, I was on vacation with my family somewhere in some foreign country, and it was playing at a theater there. And I, uh, unsurprisingly, when I would go on vacation with my families, regardless of where we were, would just be like, can we go to the movies? So my mom took me to the theater there, and we're like, what's this thing playing? This is Sarah Pauly movie? Like, it was like a year after it had come out in sure. theaters and made no impact in yeah, the United yeah, States. It didn't, didn't hit. And yeah. we we're like, this thing fucking rules. Why is no one talking about this? And the Ebert body blow makes perfect sense. Yeah. But there's a sequence in that movie in which Sarah Pauly uh, records like 20 cassette tapes. Right. So that every year her daughters are going to have a tape to listen to after she's dead of a new year, a new message from her that's one of the most emotionally devastating things I've ever seen. And then I found out like there's an entire movie of Michael Keaton doing that, and he's my favorite actor, and I still have never had the courage to watch that movie. I, well, I don't think it's good. I don't think it's good. Right. Um, but yes, number five at the box office is a film about a dog. My Life Without Me, I like. No. It's a film about a dog. Is it Bingo? No. Beethoven. It's a funny movie about a dog. No, I've never heard of this. It's film. not Bingo. I'm sorry. It's a horror film about a dog. Cujo. Not Cujo. I'm kidding. This is the first one. It looks like it's yet. going for Cujo energy, though. It's going for Cujo energy. Is the title of the film like the breed of the dog or something? No, but it's a common phrase for referring to dogs. I've never heard of this Good film. Boy, Rover, Fido. I want to show you the poster. But, it's so crazy. Me. I'm going to show it to Ben first. <laughs> oh my it's god a crazy man's post. best friend yes okay it's called man's best friend <laughs> this is oh this is okay so we talked about this in carpenter this 90s trend of posters that were just sort of like distorted warped this poster faces. looks like someone taking a picture of a dog like one second before the dog is mauling it's like a him. primal like, scream ah! album cover yes yeah. yes nature created him science perfected him but no one can control him man's best friend wow great ali sheedy lance henriksen uh, I don't know. There's like a science dog that is on the loose. Okay. Other movies in the top 10. Nightmare Before Christmas. Hey, a uh, masterpiece that years. hopefully we'll cover soon on the show. Sure. Remains of the Day. A masterpiece that we probably won't cover as soon You don't want to do Ivory? We could. I'm just saying it's not as soon. Could tinkle the Ivory? Sell like we've been talking about for a long time. Yes, yeah, like that. I did. It's funny. <laughs> it's actually uh, really Number funny. eight, Cool Runnings. I'm realizing this was probably the first year I was going to see movies that weren't cartoons because I sure. saw that. I sure. saw Musketeers. I yeah. saw, you know, yeah. Uh, number nine, Beverly Hillbillies. Feels like a movie Ben might like. Yeah. <laughs> right? And you know who directed Beverly Hillbillies? Stanley Kubrick. No. No, you don't know this? No. Directed by Penelope Spheris, one That's of right. your favorite directors. Oh, right. sure. Yeah. 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 The, uh, you know. A after being this fucking like heavy metal countercultural figure, she weirdly fell into a rabbit hole of directing like Little Rascals, Beverly Hillbillies. And she's sure. like, you make a hit and then people just want you to do that thing again. I became the person who adapted old TV. Number 10 is The Piano. Number 11, Esther, is a movie you recently described to me as Witches Kathy Nimiji. Oh, yeah. Well, Hocus Pocus. Yes. Yeah. I, Apparently, I, Esther could not remember the title I of Hocus was, Pocus. I was, on, um, I was on This Had Oscar Buzz, okay. and we did the IMDb game, which yeah. will have come out by this point. And the Jimmy, I was sorry, given, not, I was not given not Thora Birch, and I just, like, I could not locate the name of Hocus Pocus. I was like, it's got Kathy Najimy and Sarah Jessica Parker and Bette Midler and Wh their witches. witches. And, like, for some reason, like, a part of my brain just, like, couldn't figure out Hocus Especially Pocus. Especially for a movie that in the last two years has been canonized as if it were the right, Godfather Park. Exactly. I know. I was like, people are obsessed with it. Like, I right. just, I obviously know the movie and I have seen the movie. I just, my brain, I, like, lost the words for Hocus Pocus. Which is Kathy Najimy? 
Jamie sounds like it's the French title of <laughs> Hocus Pocus. Um, we just got Linda Jamie. Can I just say there there is that a, was like Italian. I there know. is a two part French adaptation of Three Hocus Musketeers sure. being done by Pathé. Les Trois Musketeers. Part one, April fifth, twenty twenty three. Three Musketeers: colon, D'Artagnan. Sure. And then part two, December thirteenth. 2023. They're doing the full Matrix two parts, six months two and apart. One. Yeah. The Three Musketeers colon Milady. Oh, uh, Milady. But the cast includes uh, Vincent Cassel. Sure. Romain Dury. Sure. Eva Green. Louis Garrel. They're getting them all. Vicky Creeps. 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 Le- Lena Kudry. Weirdly, she's playing D'Artagnan. <laughs> she is. <laughs> Creeps is playing Queen Anne of Austria. Uh, Louis Garrel is playing Creeps. King Louis. You know what the uh, best thing about her is? What? She's from Luxembourg. Yeah. Who was from Luxembourg? No one. Her. Nobody but her. She's literally the first She's and the last person to be born. Yep. Yep. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, if that's true. She's uh she's in these three Musketeers movies. They look very yep. you know, once in a while the French make one of those movies that they're like Let's spend like the Asterix movies. We're going to spend right. a ton, and right. everyone's in it. There's like, like a mega budget live action uh, Jean Dujardin Lucky Luke movie that also doesn't exist. Cool. Um, uh, I think I'm hearing. Oh, it sounds like a piano is playing us. Oh, off. it's oh, time to go. Oh my god. <laughs> well, well, I guess we should wrap Weird, up. We're being dragged yeah. into the ocean by this piano. <laughs> uh, yes. uh, Esther, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank again. you for having me. The name of your book again is Beyond the Best Dress. Uh, check it out. Uh, check available out in two write. days. Available two, in two days. Two days, goddammit. Check it uh, in the description link. Or in the description, there'll be a link to link in buy the at below. bookstores. Yes. Uh, thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you to Marie Barty for our social Hell media. Yeah. Joe Bone and Pat Rounds for our artwork. Uh, Lehman Kerman, the Great American Elf, for our theme song. AJ McKeon, Alex Barron for our editing. Nick Loriano, JJ Birch for our research. You can go to Reddit, blankies.reddit.com for some real nerdy shit. You can go to our Shopify page for some real nerdy merch, including Chipcoin now in stock. The Spreadmaster Spatula will be there soon. Uh, heavily discounted uh, t-shirts from previous years that are way out of date. Uh, uh, Patreon.com slash blank check for blank check special features where uh, we are allowing ourselves to feel good while busting. Mm. Uh, but mm. also, uh, just the thing we want to keep on spotlighting, <laughs> we're, we're uh, releasing uh, old episodes from behind the paywall every 10 days. So every yeah. 10 days on blank check, uh, Patreon. Patreon page, yeah, yeah, yeah. there'll be a new episode for those who are subscribers, and there will be uh, an old episode uh, that's I just a, an open link now for anyone who's not a subscriber. All Esther right, is all right, leaving. All right, all right, Griffin. All what? Right. I'm wrapping up the episode. <laughs> it takes like 10 minutes well, now. It's well, unfortunately... I'm sorry we hired so many people. <laughs> that we're creating jobs. That we have multiple revenue Griffin, <laughs> just finish it. Finish it. Last time I heard you liked money. <laughs> yeah, I do. I love it. No, you're doing great, but let's, yeah. Because Esther is now putting She's on good. her jacket. She's I did the wrap-up so that Esther could leave. That's the whole point. She doesn't have to hear any of this. This is stupid. Yeah, it is dumb. We have to give everyone credit. That's true. You, well, you're done. And finally. And always. Whatever. Well, next no, week for Portrait of a Yeah, meeting. right. You got to say this next. Mm-hmm. And as always, get in my belly. Oh, <laughs> 